You'll always be second best, buddy. I'm better than you and my diaper needs to be changed. (laughs) Who's letting these men talk? Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's making bloody hard going out of this collar. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Pity, because I love it so very much. It's true. This is the most properly married we've ever been. Yeah. We are married, and yet not. (laughs) Yeah, it's a conundrum. We're like a Christopher Nolan movie, but a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, also we don't suck. Yeah, we also don't suck. Uh, Welcome. We are covering The Crown on Netflix, as many of you have requested. Many of you. Like, pretty much all of you. Yeah. Uh, So we're finally getting around to it, Mm -hmm. now that the scourge of 2016 (laughs) is behind us. New year, new queen, new show. Uh, it's going to be a good time. And to kick things off, we have with us a very special guest of Boar's Gore and Swords and Pilot Fight, Red Scott. Guys, I'm so excited to talk Interstellar. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like, I mean, we all agree, probably one of the best movies that's ever existed. Oh, man. The ending. The ending. So good, so satisfying, so believable. <laughs> we should have uh, not, you know, talked shit about Christopher Nolan while he was in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, we we all have issues with Christopher Nolan. Too few movies over too too much amount of time. Pick up that work ethic. Okay, here's what I I want to say about Christopher Nolan. Uh, I loved Memento. I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, I was a child. (laughs) When I was a child, I loved childish things, i.e., the films of Christopher Nolan. I mean, he didn't really, really lose me till Inception. That movie and Shutter Island together... Uh, I think yeah. if you like looked at my like social media feed in terms of like when did I start hating white men the most, <laughs> it was after that movie. Well, and yeah. Shut- Although- nobody's talking enough about how Shutter Island and Inception are exactly the same movie. I will say the one thing about Shutter Island that I still like is remember that ridiculous trailer where it just kept going like boom every five seconds through the whole thing. You mean the entire soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> Not enough people in my eye are talking about how Memento and Westworld have the same plot. They do. Oh, That's a good point. It, I mean, without you get rid of the novel, uh, you know, cutting it backwards thing. And yeah, it's just Tom all, didn't it's, finish watching that show because all, he wasn't blackmailed into coming onto your podcast. <laughs> all about memory. That was a fun podcast episode. <laughs> it was a fun podcast episode. That a lot of people enjoyed. Yeah. I know. Look, I can't help it. I need other people's approval because I hate myself. <laughs> such a good show podcasters motto right there Uh, although we were we were talking before you got here because there's that movie coming out about dunkirk uh that christopher nolan directed with killian murphy and tom hardy who are in peaky blinders which we also cover listen to our other podcast family meeting uh (laughs) there's i i I have to share this because it's one of my favorite facts in the world memento got remade in india uh, but it wasn't enough to remake Memento. They took it and combined it with a 1950s British comedy and made a three-hour-long movie. And then, so they made it in the second most uh, popular language in India, the name escaping me. And then they remade that movie in the, in the most popular language in India in about 2008. And that is the highest money-making movie in India ever that so was wait, made in India. Okay, so, wait, so they, they made Memento into a comedy? No, they, they, it's like an A-B story where there's like the action thing and then there's like a goofy sort of Oh, side okay, so it's like a Shakespearean, right, right, like exactly. there's is the dog bodies. Is it just an action bodies? movie intercut with a comedy movie played yeah. backwards? Yeah, is you're that- pretty- <laughs> <laughs> 
But I've, I've run into several Indian people who have heard about Memento. So that movie made in even if you convert it, mm-hmm. more dollars and it, more more people have seen the Indian version than have seen the American version. There's just more people in India, right? So I've run into several Indian people who you tell them about Memento and they're like, "Oh, it's just like this other movie." I, I forget the name of it. I didn't know I was. You're forgetting a lot of crucial details. I didn't know. Too. Listen. Oh my god! Hang on. Do you know anyone named Sammy Jenkins? No. <laughs> no, Uh-oh. I do not. I think we've got a memento on our hands right now. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, you were, you asked me uh, about something we're going to talk about later, and I had to do like an hour of research to remember all the things that I knew. <laughs> you can't be bringing up new topics and expect me to just to have them. I got to be on your I toes assumed, on our podcast. I just assumed that you had. I was just. It wasn't even like a requirement. I was just trying to offer you participation mm. that I was do. all as a millennial i do love participation but then we started arguing about the show and i got all like worked up and i was trying to go to sleep <laughs> and i was just like formulating like sweet sick burns yes. for today so yes. I'm, I'm hopefully going to get to use some of those oh yeah. me, me uh, as well me as well yeah so anyway so we'll get into that uh yeah we'll do self-promotion at the end of the show perfect god we haven't had a guest in so long yeah it's kind of weird yeah it's really been like a one-act play in here (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so the crown on netflix starring basically every british actor Mm -hmm. of all time yeah uh i had originally written in this recap every british actor that wasn't in downton abbey and then as soon as i wrote that down Somebody who was on Downton Abbey showed up. <laughs> so I had to rethink that whole thing. So I have to ask, how far along in the show are you? Okay. I know we're only talking about the pilot. Yeah, right. we're only talking about the pilot. Uh, I've only seen the pilot. Okay. And I watched uh, episodes two and three in the last couple days. Excellent. So um, I will have to return. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're coming. We were thinking you come back for the finale because then you won't have to hold back. Yeah. You can oh. really just let it all loose and, you know, we'll all, you know, we'll have the cumulative uh, opinions that we have made. It'll be great. It's just crazy to me because Thomas hasn't even met his doppelganger who's living in this world. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no knowledge of. I have been notified about this. I have also not met your uh, doppelganger yet, though. Okay. But yes. when I do, I think you can expect a very excited text. <laughs> <laughs> but he's here. He's here. So uh, let's kick this off. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, the pilot episode is called Wolferton Splash. And Fucking I was, England. I know. Fucking like, like, England. For real. I was like, man, I miss Wolf Hall. <laughs> I actually, after I watched the pilot, went back and watched some of Wolf Hall. I'm not surprised. Like, anytime that you encounter Tom, like, anytime I would come home from a stand-up show, he'd be watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, or Wolf Hall. Yeah. I, I was watching, I made it through five episodes of this thinking, like, this just reminds me a lot of Wolf Hall for no reason that I can pin down. <laughs> I, like, I just can't did think you just, of what did you just it not? is. It's just, it's probably because they're both British. Like, is there something have, inherently British about Claire both Foy of these? blindness? Is that? I, I, have, I have actor and knowledge blindness ah. so it was and then i looked it up and i was like i looked up wolf hall and i was like oh <laughs> i'm a big dumb person um oh there's a really fun wolf hall connection later which we will get to excellent when we get there yeah right. but so to start we open on a black screen and coughing and i'm already like all right i'm in sold <laughs> coughing i love it uh also very british yeah also very br- british coughing yeah in fact um the Queen's coughing. Not really. It's actually <laughs> the King's coughing. It's Buckingham Palace, 1947, and we see a man bent over a sink. He's hacking his lungs out, like literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Lane Price from Mad Men. Lane yeah. Price lives, guys. Haha, <laughs> 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 not for long. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I love though about like these kind of like historical shows. And like it's not a, it's called the Queen. Right. If the King is alive. Right. 
you know, yeah. you you uh, you better put two and two together there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a, that's actually an interesting. So I, I know you guys are more Anglophile than I am, mm-hmm. but this so this was ten hours of Netflix and nine hours of Wikipedia that I paused during to read <laughs> to uh, yeah. what was happening. I I turned it on and I was like, oh, this is they still have a queen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really interesting because we're Anglophiles. We're not. Royalophiles, right. Right. royal watchers. I think is uh, the yeah, the yeah. more colloquial term. But um, yeah, I'm I'm like vaguely into the royals, mainly because of the website Go Fuck Yourself. Uh, and then those women wrote a book called The Royal We, which is basically like an alternate you uh, fan fiction about Kate Middleton and Prince William, mm. which I have read probably 10 times. Mm. I don't know why. I know I've talked about it on this podcast before. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, maybe we'll do that on on Patreon. I will describe the whole book to you. Because <laughs> uh, it's like, I try, I'm like, should Tom read it? I'm like, he just wouldn't like it. <laughs> like it's, it's cute. But um, anyway, and uh, Tom hates the monarchy. Yes. I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm an anti monarchist. Yeah. Right. I. Here's how I feel. Uh, I think it's cute for men to hate the monarchy, <laughs> but women just need to run things for a while, is what I think. I mean, uh, you know, that's fine. She doesn't actually run anything. Yeah, the monarchy isn't the matriarchy. She's and literally yet, the The British figurehead. people will fucking cut you. <laughs> they will cut you if you start talking about dismantling the monarchy. So, so no, really, you're just more attached to the loyalty of a female leadership. No, no it's like the power. There's, you know, and I, mean, I don't care about your logic. I don't care about your politics. But she doesn't exercise the power at any point during, I'm going to say, this whole series. I mean, I will say... My uh, she apparently forced them all to let her marry Philip. Yeah, but that was before yeah, she was the monarch. Yeah, that was before the show started. Um, she made all her coolest decisions off camera. <laughs> That's very British. <laughs> Even when we had 10 hours to cover the first 10 years of her... Well, I guess it's not... Yeah, yeah, so far. I don't know that this constitutes a spoiler, but at any point in this show, does Queen Elizabeth ever stop being an enormous dweeb? That's a very good question. <laughs> I, I would say, given the type of show that it is, that would constitute an enormous spoiler, and I would not, I would not keep that for okay, people. All right. All right. Anyway, point being, we'll get back into this, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, King Lane Price flushes his bloody spittle down the toilet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a real problem. Uh, and I think he's smoking in the bathroom. Uh, like, and I'm like, listen, buddy, I've never coughed up blood, uh, <laughs> but I have had a smoker's cough for many years. And, uh, th- th- yeah. like, you need to take a knee, take a knee on the cigarettes, <laughs> you know. Switch to clothes for a while. Like, just get your shit. I mean, these are probably unfiltered. Sadly, I, it was uh, he did not have the option to vape. <laughs> <laughs> I just cannot stand this self-satisfied dramatic irony in this that comes with the smoking. It's like, oh, he has lung disease. It's because of the smoking. Uh, we refer to that as old-timey people <laughs> didn't know stuff. <laughs> it happens all the time in period I, dramas, and yeah. they always think it's original. I like know. they always think, like, "Oh, we're really gonna, ho, 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 we're really this oh, is gonna man. blow their mind." <laughs> <laughs> and so I like it when it's done humorously. Mm. Like in Mad Men, they do it several times. Like, look at these idiots. <laughs> like that, it's kind of meant as a joke. But when it's done in a dramatic sense, I'm like, yeah. shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. So um, we see Claire Foy. <gasps> Yes. I love her. Uh, me too. More so even now. I know. She's so pretty. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So she has such range. She can go from like empty headed sort of uh, naive monarch to like conniving slutty monarch. Like she, <laughs> yeah. she just like she has all of it. Well, and then the other thing we've seen her in that we covered for this is the reboot of Upstairs Downstairs. And she plays the Nazi sympathizing uh, sister of the main boring lady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is a completely different tack. Like, yeah. She's really good. What yeah. kind of monarch is she in that? Uh, she is the mistress of a Nazi officer. Oh, so it's still kind of a monarch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and actually they all are, they're in uh, like the House of Lords sure. thingy. Right. So like the guy is a lord and his wife is a lady and yeah. her sister's a bitch. Ah. You know, the standard, <laughs> standard uh, breakdown of two sister British households, as we were about to see yeah, in this very episode. Yeah, she's she's the slutty one, so she's the Princess Margaret of mm. that. Yeah, she's the Princess name. Margaret of that show. Just one rung down the nobility ladder. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Prince Philip of Greece and Denmark. Heard of it? <laughs> uh, he is signing away his princeship of Greece and Denmark and will become merely Philip Mountbatten, lieutenant of the Royal Navy, uh, Baron Greenwich, Earl of Mayoneth, Duke of Edinburgh, and Knight Companion of the Most Noble Order of the Garter. That one sounds like it's a weed-smoking thing to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I'm like, y'all are getting high. Yeah, it's uh, it's the highest order of British chivalry, uh, and it's notable for being the one, as a uh, Tory lord in the 1900s once said, there's no damned merit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was trying to listen to the whole thing. It was so crucial for me to have subtitles on because yeah. the first time I watched it, I thought all his male heirs got all the benefits of a bacon sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we watch pretty much everything with subtitles now. But it's so crucial in this. It, oh, yeah, yeah for yeah. British yeah. stuff, yeah, absolutely. Like, I was just talking about it with my mom, and she's like, I don't understand them. I'm like, Mom, put on the subtitles. Yes. Like, yeah. Why do we live in the digital age? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so Philip is played by Matt Smith. Um, who I hate. Yes, but I will say I like him much better now that he's not in Stephen Moffat's, Moffat's magical land of science fiction whimsy. Uh, I think you mean Stephen Moffat's magical land of science fiction whimsy and misogyny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of <laughs> Stephen Moffat's uh, magical land of just misogyny, uh, Patrick from Coupling is also here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and I hate Stephen Moffat, but I love Coupling. Okay, so, like, I don't even know what to tell you about that. Um, yeah, but Patrick from Coupling was totally my crush, even though he was a Tory in that show. <laughs> Very problematic. Sure. Uh, him and Sally making out to Spider-Man. I can't even deal with it. Look. The bitches listening to this know what's up. Um, yeah, but I always get so excited to see him. The actor is Ben Miles, and he uh, played the role of uh, Cromwell in the stage production of Wolf Hall, which was one of those oh. like uniquely British things that they do where it's like eight hours long and there's like a banquet. Yeah. Oh, right. I remember. Yeah, I yeah. heard about that. Yeah. So he was Cromwell in that. So right. He's had just like a really phenomenal career. Uh, compared to everybody else from Coupling. Yeah. Like, the second best goes to Jack Davenport, mm. who was uh, the Patsy in some of the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movies. Uh, but most notably for Tom and I, he was the Lothario director on Smash. Yeah. Uh, you mean the greatest show in television history? Look, Smash? I just watched all of Flesh and Bone, and <laughs> that made Smash look like The Sopranos. <laughs> like, that show was so bad. Oh, I... Uh, 
So I haven't seen any of the three shows that you referenced. Sure. So is, 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 is Sopranos bad or good? <laughs> uh, I mean, I was referring to it more with its place in the canon. Gotcha. Uh, okay. I didn't watch all of it. Right. Um, and I'm glad I didn't because that ending really would have pissed me off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, just in terms of like being prestige, very important television. Right. And then uh, Smash is just cheesy as fuck. It's like, <laughs> it's, it was like Glee for grownups. It's and I so feel like, ridiculous. They had no idea what they were doing. No. And then Flesh and Bone was by a writer from Breaking Bad who used to be a ballerina who was like, I'm going to make a show about being a ballerina. And like, it barely was even about that. It was mostly <laughs> just about incest. And I was like, well, you she got took into all it the wrong the... lessons away from Prestige Cable. Yeah. And she was like, oh. Being a ballerina is actually really boring. Uh, I'm going to throw some incest in there. That's yeah, hot. But incest is fascinating. Right, guys? <laughs> right, guys? It was uh, really, again, I mean, we uns- are talking about the British royal family on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's a good point. So... It, was un- it wasn't like cool Game of Thrones incest. It was, <laughs> it was unsettling, like, below the poverty line incest. Spe- speaking of uh, incest and people, they set the king up as this infantile imbecile in sort of the first scene where he's, like, trying to get his collar done. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they spend the rest of his life trying to redeem him. It felt like they like really didn't want to shit on King George, but they were like, ah, everything we read about him when they look him up is what a pamby little bitch he is. <laughs> and so we have to put that in at some point, or people are just going to call us neglectful. Um, and one thing that's really interesting too is that in the scene here where he is, you know, knighting uh, Mountbatten. Uh, he stutters. Right. Yeah. And I, that was the point where I was like, is this that king? Yes. Like, Same I don't here. know why I can It's so hard. I think it's in part because I have read the royal we so many times, <laughs> and that is an alternate version of the royal family. It's hard to keep them together. Uh, so I was like, is that? But I always have a hard time keeping the reins mm-hmm. of various kings straight. I usually just outsource that to Tom. Yeah. And the weird thing is, I'm pretty good on the British monarchy up until the 20th century. <laughs> and after that, it just confuses no, it's the heck totally, out of me. Well, you know what? I think the abdication really throws right. a wrench in things. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. also never did a black adder in that uh, time <laughs> period. So I can see why that's perplexing for no, you. That's, that's a fair point. Um, th- this is such a weird thing because when I talk to other Americans about it, I don't want to discuss his historical events with them because they are actual spoilers for the show because <laughs> I know they don't know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I'm just saying, I had no idea who the Duke of Windsor was. I thought it was just a fashion icon. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. And I was like, wait, what? Um, I popularized pugs. That's all I knew. <laughs> I'm excited like to learn more about this period in Elizabeth and Margaret's lives because I knew a little bit about them during World War II because they talked about them in the American Girl Molly McIntyre books, <laughs> um, which was during World War II. So I knew a bit of that, and then I like, like basically like nothing. Princess Diana's death, like <laughs> right. that's that's like the sum total of what I know about the Queen. But it was one of those things that the Queen was already old by the time I was born. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, "Fuck that Queen!" Right. I am not. A, a I'm soon. not about this life. Yeah. Um. Also, speaking of my childhood, uh, I had the thought as I was reading the subtitles, uh, Prince Philip's name is spelled with one L, which is the same spelling used in the movie Sleeping Beauty, uh, the animated Disney version. And I looked up last night, and in fact, Prince Philip is named after this Prince Philip, which to me is weird, because why why would anybody want to hang out with that dude? (laughs) Um, And there was actually, there was another Prince Philip. And I forget where he was from, but he's less famous than this one. So fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, You'll always be second best, buddy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he knows. <laughs> if he is, in fact, still alive. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, but I thought that was interesting. And I also learned uh, that that was the last animated fairy tale that Disney produced until The Little Mermaid. Animated fairy tale. Yeah, gotcha. fairy tale. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, they completely stopped yeah. doing that. Although, I think they did... Um, they're not including Sword in the Stone as a fairy tale, and I think that is sexist. Because uh, yeah. it is totally a fairy tale. Yeah, plus the rescuers down under. I mean, come on. <laughs> it was magical. <laughs> I love that you included the rescuers down under, but have completely skipped over the rescuers. <laughs> I think actually the rescuers came before Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> but I also could be wrong. I think Bob Newhart wasn't f- famous until the early 60s. So Sleeping Beauty, I believe, is 3,000 years old. <laughs> No, I'm thinking of Snow White. That's what <laughs> yeah, it Snow White's the okay. old one. The movie or the character? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Look, not all these bits are going to be gold. Uh, okay, so after the ceremony, the king just bounces very quickly. I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. He's uh, clearly just in this for the ceremony. And uh, Elizabeth greets Philip. So clearly uh, Claire Foy playing the princess at this mm-hmm. point, Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, and... Philip says that they all got through it, uh, and he's real grouchy. I don't like him at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's very grouchy, and he says that they would have preferred some red-faced Marquis uh, with a you know country estate and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Princess Elizabeth says she would have found that very antiseptic. I love, <laughs> I love, love, love this accent. She is such a dweeb, but I love this accent so yeah. much. It is spot on. Yeah. Like, it is so good. No, and she's a uh, thing I noticed about. I feel like she just by acting makes herself look slightly less attractive than she actually is. I agree. Like, and I don't know how she she's does that. She's a witch. <laughs> she's a theater witch. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be hard keeping that vacant look on her face. Yeah. No, I know because every other role we've ever seen her in, she's very calculating. Like mm-hmm. whether she's evil or not is debatable. I mean, I think we can all agree the Nazi sympathizing bitch, pretty evil. Oh my God. I remember she kissed that guy for no reason. Yeah, I do. Oh anyway. my God. Um, uh, so Philip is pulling out a cigarette and smoking and mm. she asks uh, if he must smoke. He knows she hates it. And he says, pity, because I love it so very much. And I'm like, word, that is exactly how cigarettes are. But he says that he will give it up for her like so many other things. And I'm like, Greece and Denmark, like those aren't even a whole country together, dude. I'm willing to forgive a lot when somebody is visiting your family. When you, (laughs) when you're significant, we're all going to be cranky in that situation. There's a lot of, the the food's weird. There's a lot of traditions that don't go your way. There's 90,000 servants you don't know. Like it's all very hard. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he says he'll give it all up, and Elizabeth says that he can consider that he's won the greatest prize on earth. <laughs> and eventually, he agrees. Right. I hate this guy. He's negging her mm-hmm. the day before their wedding, and because... she's into it. She <laughs> okay. fucking loves it. I can't deal with how much she likes him. She <laughs> loves him. I don't know why. Like I'm like he's an asshole. And I like an asshole. Like, I mean, a person who isn't. Let's not get into this. That's not, yeah, and his hair looks dumb. His hair does look dumb. Um, but because it's like he's like, oh, you know, they certainly think you're the greatest prize on earth. And then like he like waits too many beats. Because I'm totally like, if somebody wants to give me shit, I'm like, yeah, man, I love getting shit given to me. This is great. We're bantering. But he's just like waits way too long. He's like, oh, yeah, you're great. Like, whatever. Like, cool. So uh, as I have seen all the way through, and I'm now rewatching this the second time, and I, uh, that is actually something that I have come to as I become 
familiar with Claire Foy's version of Elizabeth and her expressions and her like that's actually something that's coming through much stronger the second time is how much she really likes him mm. which is something she on the first so time much. through that I was just like I don't know no, but I've had if she has experience. an IQ of 7 <laughs> I had that experience also because you know I will watch it once and then I um, actually like write the recap the second time through right and I was like fuck she really likes him she really does <laughs> like I'm like I'm like is she just yeah because it's like did he trick her it's, I mean I think he I still think he did trick her. But <laughs> anyway, uh, he leaves. She's like, get some rest. Oh, no, he tells her to get rest. She's like, you too. And he's like, nah, I'm going on this naval officer stag night. I'm like, does this bitch not even get a hen party? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I have no like, idea what the Although, honestly, are. her hen party would probably just be her and, like, Margaret, like, bitchily smoking. Oh, come on. They could go, uh, like, <laughs> in their secret storeroom where they keep the crown that's all penises on top. <laughs> And they could go ruin a comedy show. <laughs> uh, anyway, he leaves and Claire Foy stares at his bum creepily. Do I just call her Claire Foy this whole time? Do what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. It's always when it's the first episode, we haven't like solidified everybody's nicknames yeah. yet. Yeah. The only one I'm really locked into is King Lane Price. Yeah, mm, yeah for sure. Yeah. I, and that, that's a good one, too, because he has two names. It becomes more and more confusing the further you yeah. get on the show. And like Lane Price is the one thing that everyone knows. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> yeah. like, and and I was looking at some of the recaps for it, and people would talk about Birdie, and I got, yeah. I got very confused <laughs> because I was like, wait, is that the name of the guy who played Birdie on Downton Abbey also in this show? <laughs> like, I just was like, I have no fucking idea where any of this is coming from. And it'd be so much easier to deal with the original name mm-hmm. if Elizabeth had actually taken a real one, yeah, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being like. Nope, still Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, because then honestly, you, like, you just forget about it. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Like, I did not realize that that was a thing. <laughs> uh, because really, honestly, the only two British monarchs that I really give a fuck about are Elizabeth I and mm-hmm. Elizabeth II, <laughs> both of whom did not take a you know formal regal Regiment, name. Yeah. yeah. Um, like sometimes Queen Victoria, but I feel like she's the reason I was raised in a, you know, sex shaming environment. (laughs) She did her best. (laughs) There's a lot of baggage. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, Matt Smith's bum is gone Mm -hmm. for the time being. Yeah. And then we get the credits and like, if I had seen these credits like several years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh yeah, nice credit sequence. But you know, now I'm just like, now that I've actually seen, it's like, the Reds built a new baseball stadium a few years after, like, AT&T Park and the Pittsburgh one. And, like, if they had built it first, everybody would have been like, oh, that's a nice new stadium. And instead, they were like, oh, you just did the same thing as these other people, except right. it's kind of crappy. Right. It's like, <laughs> uh, did you just take the extras from Game of Thrones sequence? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's my note on this is, like, every credit sequence is now Game of Thrones. Right. Like, yeah. I this- said this about Westworld. This is, it, it, you know, there can be other... Ways. I, I will say, I really like the Netflix um, Marvel Universe stuff that I've seen. Like the Jessica Jones credits and the Luke Cage credits the Netflix, are great. The Netflix's intro and outro credits are unstoppable. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that you talk about in casual conversation, but from like, <laughs> but, from, but from the Marvel stuff to BoJack Horseman to like, it just every show they produce just has killer music and Although and I will openings. say with this one, I like the music. I don't think this is a particularly, because it's like, uh, like, I'm not interested in seeing this no. crown get made. Yes. Like, honestly, this is a show where I don't feel like they need a credit sequence. No. Yeah. Like, I would go, because they do it with like the episode titles and like the the writer director screens it's just white text on a black background that feels much more tonally appropriate to me 
than taking this break and doing this whole thing. Yeah. Well, and it does put me in mind of an alternate take on this series if it was actually just the story of the crown, like just told from the crown's perspective. (laughs) (laughs) I would be into it. Yeah. I feel like, look, really all I want out of all of this, like, I don't know what's ahead, but it's like, as long as I'm getting like a lot of scenes of Princess Margaret being a bitch, (laughs) I am, I am here for that. So as long as she's hanging out with the crown, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're great. You're going to have a good time. All right. Oh, oh, I'm so happy. That that might, that might even be the main (laughs) storyline. Good. I'm glad because... The first couple episodes are so, like, man-heavy, where I'm like, uh, I thought this was about the women. But I think, also, though, I'm weirdly spoiled by Downton Abbey, because that did turn into a story almost entirely about the women. Yeah. So now I'm like, what? Who's letting these men talk? (laughs) Yeah, I'd say, I mean, yeah. When it comes down to it, there's there's two episodes that are George, and then there's two episodes that are sort of Winston Churchill-y. Mm-hmm. And, but besides that, I think, I think you'll get, All right. get along much better. Great. All right. Yeah. These are spoilers that make me happy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so King Lane Price is getting dressed by his staff, and he asks if he should be concerned about the blood in his spittle. Uh, and his staff is dressing him. And they're like, nah, dude, it's just cold. You're fine. You're fine. And I'm like, ah! Well, like, because, I know, I know it's only 1947. Yeah. But. Well, the, he says, is it, is it just specs? And King Lane Price is like, oh, yeah, just specs. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, we saw you. Like, <laughs> uh, we know you're literally hacking up chunks of flesh at this point. Yeah. Uh, so he tells Patrick from Coupling. So, okay, I'm torn. You guys can help me make a decision here. So I, I have a question. So I don't know who it is. So is, is, is Patrick from Coupling the first guy adjusting his collar or is it no. Captain Peter Townsend? Uh, yes. yes. And the fact that I know that name and all of it tells you that he's going to be around for a little bit. <laughs> yes. So he's going to be around. So I'm torn between calling him Patrick from Coupling uh, or just calling him Pete Townsend. I, no, I feel very strongly that I'm going to call him Group Captain Peter Townsend <laughs> okay. until the day I am Let dead. Let me just put this to Tom who's going to be here for every episode. <laughs> Red can use the full title, but I like calling him Pete Townsend. I do too. Because it also makes me think of the Who episode of Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> When uh, when Ken smashes the guitar before yeah. <laughs> Nick can make a complete ass of himself. Although that's a great song. If I, if a dude sang me that song in high school, I'd be so excited. Um, at any rate, uh, they they agree that they're going to put some hot water bottles in the carriage because mm-hmm. it's cold out and they're going to be in a carriage, which is not warm. Uh, then he just completely loses his shit. For, like, no reason. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, James, who is one of his guys, I know that Pete Townsend's title here is Equerry, but I don't know if they're all Equerries or if one of them is Valet. One of them's listed as Head Valet okay. in the credits. Well, I'm assuming that's James. Like, if you're going to yell at somebody, yell at the Head Valet, you <laughs> know, because then he can yell at his subordinates and everybody gets the abuse. The yeah. two other guys are, are Valets, and I, I don't understand how this position came to be, but uh, Peter Townsend's like a former military guy that the king knew, who's like his buddy, who mm-hmm. now has this official position where he helps him out. I mean, it's similar to like having ladies in waiting, uh, but different. Right. <laughs> but with men. Yes. And just one instead of a whole bunch. Right. Uh, I mean, I think also that when you're the king, you can just be like, oh, well, you're, in, you're in charge of this now. But I think he's like, he's like head of household. You would think so. <laughs> you would think so. But then the rest of this series. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. You well, would think not- so. But he's he's not the guy like I thought he was the guy who's like um Martin is for Elizabeth and uh 
Mountbatten. Yes, at this point, that is true. Yeah. So, um, but then when the king dies, all of that changes over according to like very Byzantine rules so, of precedence right. and mm. things. So they do show. There's no reason you should have noticed this, but they flash for a sec. If you noticed it, it's just because of how jarring it was. For like one second, they flash on a very pale, dour British man with like jet black hair and huge mustache, um, who looked like he just got off his penny farthing, uh, <laughs> but. So that guy is actually the Martin. He's he's that same position. Okay, so he just doesn't. He's not a character. He is not in this episode. Okay. I mean, the the point that I think they showed him to sort of anchor him as like, oh, he is one of the people okay. going forward that you need to care about. But I mean, there there was no reason to show him. He did absolutely nothing in this episode. All right, fair, fair enough. enough. Yeah, Tommy Lasalle, who I have a lot of feelings on, <laughs> but he's not yet. I nope. didn't think. Uh, Tommy Lasalle is a thing currently. Oh, so he keeps the position. Correct. Okay. We'll talk about this later because yes, it is no, not important fine. now. Yeah. I wouldn't have brought it up, but he does appear for a second. That's their own fault for including him for one second. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, then Pete Townsend manages to calm down the angry king with a naughty limerick. Yes. Oh, naughty limericks are great. Oh, my God. Watching this for a second time was incredible. Yeah. Because what I didn't realize is that the limerick that he is saying, you can tell by the king's facial expression, he has never heard before. And he is fucking blown away. <laughs> like, like yeah. he... So the... Uh, group captain Peter Tansen starts talking and you can see his like eyes screw up in like mild confusion <laughs> and then he gets to it and you just see it like <laughs> he says something gnarly and he just starts lighting up yeah. and then he gets to the punchline and it was like a boy had seen Santa for the first time <laughs> and the slowness of the comprehension and to yeah. be perfectly honest I didn't think that was that great of a limerick no like sir you're right up my alley like a C plus limerick punchline. <laughs> well, I also I'm gonna. It's so obvious and silly that I actually didn't get it the first time. <laughs> like I really, I was like, he, he likes her. I, I was, that seemed like a long way to go for that. And then the second time, I was like, oh. Yeah, see, I preferred the second no, they, one. They had a lot of common interests, end up getting married. That was the right. point of the limerick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the second Very one uh, about she always spelled cunt with a K. Yeah, yeah that's a good Because it's my favorite letter of the alphabet, and cunt is one of my favorite awful things to say. Yeah. yeah. No, that was good. And what I liked about it, too, was that the king tells a much higher class dirty yes, limerick he does. than the commoner dirty limerick that mm-hmm. uh, Patrick tells him. Um, I wonder, again, I never saw the king's speech because, like, who cares? Um, but I wonder if dirty limericks were part of his, like, stuttering therapy. Yeah, I assumed it was. Yeah. I know there was swearing was involved. Yeah. So. I, I actually wonder, on the second time through, I wondered if that's, like, a, a thing that, like, Groupcraft and Peter Townsend would seek out new limericks. Yeah, <laughs> and to so, help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what, it, what, this was the unveiling of a new one. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, they're having fun. These are some very stiff upper lips mm-hmm. in this room. They're all, this is, this might be the most British show we've ever watched. <laughs> I, I do. Wanna... And that is saying a lot. Yeah. I'm very interested in how you guys feel about the show after having done the entire series of Downton Abbey, which does focus so much on the staff to just see them in the background all the time. Like half the time where you're like, Hey, what's their story? Or is it just like, <laughs> or is it just uh, satisfying to finally focus on these people of fewer yeah, people in I the mean, house our preference is generally to focus on lower class people but that's not who people make tv shows about yeah uh but i mean it's really you know, like i mean i tend to just accept whatever a show is giving us except for 
Mr. Selvridge season four. <laughs> well, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, you know, just one episode in, but I mean, I did think, I found myself thinking more about how weird it was, like, in a little bit when the king gives Elizabeth a present and she takes the lid off the present and then just hands it to some guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. She literally just holds it off yeah. screen and it disappears. Oh, don't worry. He is just our gift lid holder. <laughs> I like to imagine she just dropped it and assumed someone would catch it. <laughs> so uh, the king uh, lights up yet another cigarette. This mm-hmm. is just uh, boy. Everybody light up when he does, and you soon also will be coughing up blood uh his entourage goes downstairs where the whole wedding party is assembled and uh the queen the current queen elizabeth which i didn't realize her mom was named elizabeth and i was very confused by the imdb credits for this show uh but she tells elizabeth that she looks beautiful and the king in typical dads don't know how to talk to their daughters mode Mm. just says you'll be fine but i mean i i loved this moment because honestly like elizabeth the younger looks like she's about to shit a brick and that's how I felt on my wedding. It's a very, like, you're very scrutinized, or you feel very scrutinized yeah. as the woman going into this situation. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, particularly if you yeah. are if a princess of England. If you're the princess uh, heir apparent to the throne, right. wow. And also, nobody likes the guy that you're marrying. Mm-hmm. This is this is a lot to be and going into. And your in-laws are Nazi sympathizers, yeah. and you know the prime minister is just going to show up late and be a total dick. Like, there's a lot to <laughs> yeah. handle. So I have to ask for some uh, – this this kept bothering me, and I never really established it. So there are there, – her mother and grandmother are both alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually know that her grandmother's uh, Reg- original name was Mary of Tech. Yes. Okay. And so that's the only thing I know about her. <laughs> All right. But so what? what is her mother's – like, is she – she's just Elizabeth, but I think she's – I don't know. Uh, she was. Oh, I just. Okay. I looked up their uh, family tree last night. Again, very confusing. Um, she does not have a name like that. She was a lion's though. Mm. Um, it's like like a lion Savoy or something like that was oh, her gotcha. last name. Um, I don't know. I mean, I assume we'll get into that. Yes. In a future Tom repeats history, but um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, but I do yeah. know because that is. Uh, the king. I'm like. I'm like. What is his name? The king. King Lane Price. Yeah. Uh, king George. Yeah. So the, the grandmother sixth, is his sixth. mother, and then you know the queen mother is. This made sense in my head. No, I no. don't know what. I don't know what I'm even trying to like give anybody clarity into because right, yeah. as, I, like, as I was starting to say it, I was like, this is all obvious. No, like, right. No, well, and, I but I would also say that. The majority of our listeners, I suspect, know more about the British royal family than the three of us. That's entirely <laughs> so, possible. Uh, well, but have they read the royal we ten times? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the church, uh, a big round of applause kicks up because Winston Churchill is arriving. And he has made sure that he has arrived last. He asked some kids wearing kilts if they're last. Well, and I'm like, did you pay these kids off? Like, what? I w- that's the thing I really wanted to know about. I'm like, what is when? Does he is is he like the Varus? Does he have just well, like all of these little kids running around doing his bidding? Even I know there's a long British history of children being active spies. <laughs> <laughs> so well, one of the uh, I I'm not a big Winston Churchill guy, and so something that. I should have realized, but completely did not, is that John Lithgow is almost a full foot taller than Winston Churchill. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's playing, I, 
I've been calling him Giant Winston Churchill. It's the character that he's this playing. Is, this, this is an alternate reality. I like this as a permanent nickname. Yeah, <laughs> Giant Winston Churchill. We were discussing Churchill. this is the worst Winston Churchill that we've seen. Uh, I thought we agreed it was second oh, worst. Oh, yeah, we did. It's yeah. second worst. So first best is the second Winston Churchill on Peaky Blinders. Mm. Then this one, Giant Winston Churchill. <laughs> right. And then the worst is the first Winston Churchill on Peaky Blinders. <laughs> who looked and acted nothing like Winston Churchill. Uh-huh. It was bizarre. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I am not a fan of this performance from John Lithgow. It is a whole... I can smell the Chicago Steppenwolf just freaking <laughs> off of him. And I feel like that's in part because I just watched all of Shameless, which mm. is William H. Macy, who I don't think is even a Steppenwolf guy. He came <laughs> out of, uh, you know, practical aesthetics and the David Mamet stuff. Um, actually, I think in New Haven. But like, it was just like anybody who acts and is like pretending to be from Chicago annoys me. Um, <laughs> but then people who actually trained in Chicago, I'm like, get out of here, <laughs> you John Malkoviches and you Gary Sinises and John Lithgow's. Because yeah. I never liked him even on Third Rock from the Sun. I've just always wanted to punch him in the face. I've always liked John Malkovich, and this this is now this is the longest I've seen anybody perform as Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. So I will refer to whether or not somebody is an accurate Winston Churchill. To whether or not they look and act like John Lithgow does in there. Yeah. <laughs> I had no problems with it because I had no prior yeah, actual I mean, historical we, knowledge. We, it's not I that think, we're that into Churchill. It's just, I mean, he's just so omnipresent in so much of what we've covered. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's the same issue. I never saw Capote because I was like, I don't buy Philip Seymour Hoffman physically yes, as Truman you. Capote. Yeah, yeah, I get it. When they had a perfectly serviceable movie starring Toby Jones. Yeah. Who's great. Who is great. Yeah. And we I mean, love the, you, Toby Jones. It's not a podcast. Like John Lithgow doesn't do a terrible job in terms of impersonation. No, he doesn't. Just, but that's the thing. It's an, it's one of those performances that just calls so much attention to itself. Right, yeah. Versus Claire Foy's performance. And I don't know anything really about George the Sex. I know I've never seen really any other portrayals of him. As I mentioned, have not watched King's Speech. Right. <laughs> Am not going to. Um but I think he has a great performance where you're like, oh, I, you know, I see the humanity, whereas John Lithgow is just playing this larger than life character. Right. And right. he's not playing the humanity of it. Can, can we talk for a second about uh, a character who has a much smaller part, but I love, which is his wife. I was just going to say. really phenomenal. His wife is great. She yeah. is maybe my favorite British character actress. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Harriet Walter. And she was she was in Downton Abbey. She was Lady Shackleton, which I doubt you know anything about. Right. Uh, but uh, she also is in Sense and Sensibility as the awful Mrs. Dashwood, mm. uh, who is married to the brother of Emma Thompson. Mm-mm-mm. We're going to get into some serious deep cut uh, <laughs> Sense and Sensibility later. Yeah. But um, she's so great in this role. She was also on um, Law and Order UK, wasn't she? She was I believe so. so yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that show is great, incidentally, if you've not seen it. It's, yeah. I'm sure it, it is. I, I literally, as soon as you said Law and Order UK, I was yeah. like 100% there. It's really <laughs> I don't, I don't good. Need, I don't need anything else. The chick who played Martha Jones on Doctor Who is in it. Uh, the guy who played the ballet director in Flesh and Bones <laughs> okay. is what, in it doing a much better job. What, one question. Is it a re, are they doing the American scripts or, do, or is it a, an original series? The spin-off? first, as I recall, and I didn't watch that much of it, as I recall, 
the first few episodes were sort of rewrites of American scripts, uh-huh. but then it was going to be a perfect. After That's that. exactly what they should have done. Yeah. And I'm excited about this. It's great. Yeah. And it's just funny. Like any, as I do all the time, anytime you're going through a British actor's IMDb page, there's just, they make so many crime shows in England that we never hear of. And, yeah. and it's crazy because it's such a small country. <laughs> right. Comparatively speaking. Yeah. Well, but that's what happens. We have government-funded television. Yeah. Everybody can work. (laughs) On crime shows. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, back at the church. (laughs) Um, So some people comment on Churchill showily arriving late and how discomfited uh, Clement Attlee, the actual prime minister, is. And we get a shot of him, like, literally, like, waving his hand and, like, telling people to sit down. I'm like, oh, buddy. Yeah. Oh, the man time forgot. <laughs> you, know, you know why his three sisters aren't here? They're married to Nazis. And he says, Nazi. Like, not Nazi. Nazi. Prominent Nazis. <laughs> and here's what I would say. I don't... Regardless of the situation, anytime you're at a wedding, you should not shout the words prominent Nazis <laughs> for any reason. What if you're at a wedding for prominent Nazis <laughs> by prominent Nazis? <laughs> because the way things have been going in this country, that's about to be a thing again. Yeah. So, do we know anything uh, so about the history of Elizabeth... Uh, insisting on the word obey in her vows. I'm not surprised that it would be present we in a wedding not. in the 1940s right. in an organization with such a hard-on for tradition, but I'm surprised on it being remarked upon if there's not a bigger story there. Um, I mean, I think it is... I think the implicit conversation here is that you know she wants to have a quote-unquote normal life right. as much as possible. And at this time, the normal thing would be for wives to promise to obey their husbands. Um, right. Even though, you know, she really shouldn't. Yeah. You know, when Churchill she, says like, it was discussed, shouldn't. like, you know, she, her job is, you know, she has a higher role than obeying this. Well, so, so that's an interesting point. And so most of my defenses of uh, Philip Mountbatten <laughs> is, is the reasonable expectation when they got married that her father would be king for. 30 years longer like that he would be able to have an entire naval career get bored with it and then be like okay i'll do some head of state stuff i guess my problem with that though is a doy like <laughs> it could happen anytime well and you have sure. to be but i mean she's been prepared i mean you know she wasn't prepared prepared but she knew what she was going to have to do and he and i think you see this play out in this episode even where it's like you know he complains about doing the head of state stuff and he's frustrated with, you know, he's renovating Clarence house and stuff like that. But it's like, as soon as you wanted to marry her, you had to know that this was a possibility and that the King could die any second. Sure. So it's like, you can't be resentful about the thing that you signed up for. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not a situation where a whole bunch of people are going to die and she's going to be the queen. This is a situation of she is first line of defense. See, like I, it is going to happen. And and I totally think he can be resentful because I think I think he's he had a reasonable expectation that he would have decades before that was going to be his issue. I mean, I I feel like uh, uh you know, like if at some point you might have to take care of one of your parents, mm-hmm. but if it happened tomorrow, you're sure as fuck I'd be resentful. Like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I've got I've it's got I've got a little though, time to get to used to it. Between there's a difference between being resentful about and being resentful toward. And I think he takes out a lot of his resentments on her when the situation is out of both of their control and the fact that he like it's not like he didn't know what he was doing. 
when he married her. And this becomes more clear in later episodes um, in terms of sort of like what the power play is for him in marrying her. But it's like, you you know, I don't believe that he didn't have an agenda in marrying her. I mean, I will, I will fully believe that they loved and apparently still love each other because mm-hmm. um, they're still married. But I, you He's know, 95. I yeah. don't think that he went into this with 100% pure intentions. Well, I will come back for the finale and we'll talk about okay. this. Okay. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jeremy Northam is there. You may know him as Ivor Novello of <gasps> Gosford Park. I do. <laughs> uh, he, he's also an episode in our back catalog. Yeah. If you're just joining us, <laughs> he, uh, says something about, Oh, Winston still thinks he's father of the nation, which is a bit odd to me because he's playing Anthony Eden. Who's like, Winston Churchill, Anthony Eden. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever, indeed. Yeah, who was like Winston Churchill's like right hand man? He was the number two guy in the. Would in you the say he was the party. Alexander Hamilton to his George Washington? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Would you say here comes the general? Uh, I don't think there are any generals in this episode. There, there might be. I mean, yeah, one I mean, of those. Not that we not named. Right. It doesn't pass the uh, the the battalion test. <laughs> I'm sure one of those shirtless guys on the rowing crew is a general. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those guys. <laughs> yeah, well, if the stag party hadn't happened off camera, we'd yeah. see many generals. Oh, my God, that exactly. would have been a blast. Drunk Much generals. as I hate Mountbatten, but yeah. I want to go to that stag party. Actually, I guess those would all be admirals. Anyway. I don't know. Na- Navy rankings are weird. Nautical <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> Negatives on dating profile. Stickler for nautical <laughs> hierarchies. <laughs> it's more negative that he put that there. <laughs> Considering it. Um, yeah, uh, Churchill tells his wife that this whole thing, the marriage, is Mountbatten's triumph and that he engineered it all and he complains about Matt B- Mountbatten giving away India because, of course, India belonged <laughs> to England in Winston Churchill's view. Uh, yeah, doy. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, that's Lord Mountbatten is Prince Philip's uncle. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I was like, clear. I was very confused mm-hmm. about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we're going to clear some of that up for you in just a minute. Yeah. But uh, so there's more cheering as the king and Elizabeth exit their carriage to go into the church. And she does not appear to enjoy the spotlight at all. As she goes into her huge ass royal wedding where yeah. she is the center of attention. I mean, she looks like she's going to vom any second. Um, and so yeah, ba- every British actor continues to turn up. Maud from upstairs, downstairs, uh, Eileen Atkins is playing the, uh, I forget what I call her. Some royal. The old queen. Queen Mary is what I call her. Okay. Queen, Mary, queen Mary, Mary of Tech. Mary of Tech, yes. Yeah. Ah. Um, that's not clear in this scene. That's the weird thing, too, about watching this. Is like, are there people in Britain who are, like, they're watching this like it's a football game? Like, oh, it's Queen Mary Attack! Oh, for oh, sure. Oh, man, they totally nailed it! Uh, sh- search these names on Guy Branham's Twitter feed, and you will find all of these. <laughs> you will find all of these. Yeah. Uh, so the archbishop starts the ceremony, and Elizabeth continues to be nervous, and we get a weird look from Princess Margaret back at Pete Townsend, and he shakes his head for a bit of, what's going on here? Uh, spoiler alert, they're boning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, felt the need to have a moment during a royal wedding yeah. during, in front of the world. also her sister's yeah. wedding. Like, I, on the micro and the macro <laughs> levels of etiquette here, Very it's upsetting. like, hey guys, 
cut the fuck out. I mean, better than yelling prominent Nazis, but yeah, I I want somebody, and I'm not. There's no level of detail that's too much. I'm not even. I'm not. I'm not saying graphic. I'm saying I want somebody to show me the schedule minute by minute of the day of somebody having an affair in a royal household. Like, how are you pulling this off? No, I had that same thought because it's just like, have they ever even fucked in a bed? No. Like, There's no way. No, like how they're under, they're both under scrutiny like 24 hours a day. I'm like, this does not seem like a, like a good, like a fun relationship to be in. And then on top of it, they're terrible at being in a secret relationship. <laughs> yes, they're very bad they're at it. They're so bad at being in a secret relationship. It made me angry <laughs> how bad they were. I'm like, you're so rich. You should be great at this. And that, I feel like that that might have been more of the fault of trying to get across that they're having an affair in the first episode as quickly yeah, as possible. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that... I don't know. I can't remember I mean, we when can only, I mean, we can I only judge it. the characters as they're shown to us. Yeah. Fair. So. Yeah, no, you're right. So anyway... um, the king hands Elizabeth over to Mountbatten, and the vows begin. This is where Churchill starts spouting off about the Nazis. Nazis. And uh, this is why his wife is so great, because she just goes, oh, do shut up. Because <laughs> you have got to imagine, this bitch has been hearing about right. Nazis ad nauseum yeah. for just... Over a decade, and she's got to be exhausted. Yeah. Also a decent chance that Churchill is drunk at this point, because he generally was. Yeah, and we don't see him drinking as much in this episode, but it is... I know. Oh, man. That was my... He was one of the people when I was like... When I would be like, do I need to quit drinking? I'd be like, ah, Winston Churchill got through World War II, and he was completely hammered the whole time. He was sauced. He did Like him and like... F. Scott Fitzgerald, <laughs> even though F. Scott Fitzgerald literally died from yeah. alcohol. is actually more of a cautionary tale, yes. Uh, listen, Tom. Hey. We're all doing fine now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Elizabeth is is so nervous that the first time I watched it, I thought she did not seem okay with any of this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is when somebody like, holding a gun to your head? And it's like, I mean, the thing about it is, it's like, what are you hesitating for? You know you can't, like, stop the wedding. Mm. You're not going to be like, you know what, I changed my mind. Yeah. Go home, the world. Yeah. Well, you should read the royal weep. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I think so much of her life is actually dictated by, you saw what we did to your uncle. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Oof. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, like in I, Clone I, High when Abe Lincoln is like, "I wonder what secret fears and insecurities could be holding me back." <laughs> and he's right in front of a portrait of uh, Lincoln, the original Lincoln, getting shot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, Mountbatten is actually making silly faces to help her, and becomes mildly less hateable. Like he has his moments. There's moments where I totally understand why she likes him. But I'm like, ah, oh, he's gaslighting you, girl. Get get out of there. But it's too, as you yeah. say, it's it's obviously, and we know what happens because they're still living together in Buckingham Palace. So I do want to touch upon the Obey thing just very slightly once because there's a weird thing with Mountbatten where she says Obey. And like you said, you mm-hmm. see, she's like, I showed my parents by getting into this weird light verbal bondage relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah. and then, but then he responds... Like, he mouths Obey back to her. And so when I first saw it, my brain just twisted what I was seeing. Yeah. And and I was like, he was like, what? Like, <laughs> but, but the second time I saw it, it seems like he's really into it. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's like, That's why yeah, I think he's Obey, <laughs> high five. Or, or you know, I, the most generous version of that is that he's like, yeah, you got it past you yeah. know, whoever. Yeah. And I mean, it could be both. Yeah. yeah. Who Humans knows? are complicated creatures. And and it's possible they left it ambiguous because they all are real historical characters yeah. and we don't know the right. situation. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Sorry, current characters. They're current characters. <laughs> they are They're alive. both alive. Yeah. Uh. Shockingly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's in incredible shape. I mean, but you know, she didn't smoke. Mm-hmm. So no. that's the thing. Like when Carrie Fisher died, I'm like, man, everything that this country and the world planted in the 60s is about to come crashing down in a big way, mm-hmm. uh, which is great news for the next presidential election. <laughs> uh, so then we cut to the wedding photos. Wedding photos are terrible. Uh, I'm not saying this to malign your efforts as a photographer. I'm just <laughs> saying the, the process of getting wedding photos is terrible and it takes forever. And I recommend doing them before your wedding to everyone yeah. uh, so that your guests can't eat. No, I, I would wholeheartedly mm-hmm. second that. And also, I, I want to take this moment uh, to thank my day of coordinator, Elizabeth, because the exact moment when we... Queen been, Elizabeth? Uh, maybe. She should be. <laughs> She's very good at organizing things. The exact moment where I, start, where I was about to lose my shit at my family because photos were taking too long. She's like, okay, we're going to get you some food now yeah. possibly save my entire day <laughs> man we could use somebody like that yeah. on the uh, rehearsal dinner yeah uh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah elizabeth seems like happy and into it now yeah I, this was what can, i was like oh, okay she does want to marry him yeah yeah, yeah the, the previous the, the scene of their actual wedding and the first scene that i saw them and i was like is this a healthy relationship Blink twice if you're in danger. <laughs> Claire Foy would be like, I can't. <laughs> that is a really good Claire Foy. Thank you. Thank I was, you. I wasn't ready for My that. My skills are useless and not profitable, but I have them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should see about looping dialogue someday. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I'm avoiding talking about photography because I think we're going to talk about it later. We are going to talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll just be silent here. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, as we said, <laughs> Queen Mary of Tech is talking with... Queen Elizabeth slash the future queen mother. She's in tech. <laughs> That's a smash. Oh reference. my god, that never occurred to me. So many, <laughs> so many smash references. Oh my god, what? There has to be a, like some sort of executive named Mary that we can call Queen Mary of Tech. There's, <laughs> I don't know. Mary's such an old name; it's just not that it popular. Is, but you know, oh. Mary actually, I feel like it's 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 making a comeback. So yeah, if it they, really is. If they ever yeah. really start promoting women, into, <laughs> I'm sorry. What it's never gonna happen. Queen, uh, we gotta get, we gotta Queen do Mary it just for Queen Mary we'll of Tech. It. We'll find it. I feel like as soon as this it's is over, exist. you're gonna get on the phone. Right? And find yeah. Somebody. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna find somebody. <laughs> Queen Mayor of Tech. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Uh, uh, but I also really don't like her. Right. And so. but yeah, I think I think Mary. We need a Mary. Okay. All, all right. right. Okay. Are you a Marion Tech? <laughs> would you like a ridiculous nickname? <laughs> so we would like to hear your story. Please am- email us. Up yeah. yours downstairs at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, so it's time for the groom's family to be photographed. And uh, the queens argue about whether they're over or underestimating Elizabeth. Uh, I think she's just pretty normal. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if only you'd been around in 1947. He's just like got a blunt in the corner. He's like, it's gonna be fine. Uh, and then they make fun of Philip's mother. 
who is uh, just out of a sanatorium and dressed like a nun, somewhat oddly. Yes. And is the only uh, member of his family there, as the others are associated with prominent Nazis. <laughs> mm. uh, and yeah, as, as we've stated, at the time it was felt that the head of government should not hang out with associates of prominent Nazis, a lesson I thought we had all learned permanently, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, history. You keep repeating yourself. Much like a King George VI repeating a dirty limerick to so, conquer his stutter. So Mary of Tech talking to her daughter, who's named also Elizabeth, I her guess. Her daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law, excuse me. Oh, so I wasn't stupid to try to explain that. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but her her saying, like, basically game-recognized game about mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth is the only part of her I enjoy in this entire series. <laughs> oh, really? I like, I like her as an actress, but as a character, I very oh, okay. much dislike her. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Good to know. Um, anyway, this brings us to the first of our returning, recurring segments. Yeah. Tom repeats history with our resident genealogical guy, Tom. Yeah, so I, I was looking into Philip's family a bit. And at my specific request. Because well, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on with these people? Right, and I, I started a little bit... Well, I mean, what I did learn was that he is uh, Prince Philip of the house of Schleswig-Holstein-Sonderberg. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like a, is- ma- a made-up Nazi thing. Like, like, a, like a Mel Brooks movie where they just like can't... No, it sounds like a, like a, like a Nazi law firm. <laughs> uh, but I really wound up getting carried away by the Wikipedia article on his mother, who we just saw getting made fun of, uh, who's known as Princess Andrew of Greece and Denmark. Uh, Princess Andrew. Yes. As in the man's name. Right. Which was not her name. Her name was Alice. Which drove her insane. (laughs) (laughs) But when she married Prince Andrew, she became Princess Andrew. Oh, like how you, you know, if you take somebody else's name. Right. Like, Elizabeth Windsor just became Elizabeth Mountbatten, you know, but briefly. Right. But But I'd never seen that, like, as uh, another, you know, noble or royal person. I don't think I have either. And that, so I that's weird. Andrew. don't need to remind you, I read the Royal Week uh, <laughs> ten times. Ten times. Oh, man. Yeah. Ten times. I, I think should, it should increase every time you mention it. Um, <laughs> it honestly, I, it, it's going to be really hard for me to not reread it like this week. <laughs> I, I honestly as soon think, as I start thinking about it, I'm like, i got to read that again. I honestly think it's been more than ten. Um, uh, it's entirely possible. Yeah. I read that book a lot. Yeah. And the other thing about Princess Andrew of Greece and Denmark is it really tells you, like, the 20th century, at some point you need to look around and you go, wait a minute, Prince of Greece and Denmark? That's what I'm those saying! Those two famously close <laughs> countries with so much in common? Like, right. No, and it was just like, basically... They shared a wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Greece came along and was like, you know what, we'd like to start having kings again. Uh, European royalty, pick one out for us. And so they picked out well, like... that's a horrible idea. Yeah, and so they picked out some like younger son of the king of Denmark... And they're like, yeah, yeah, go be king of Greece. And it was like, okay. And then that's how the Greek monarchy started. I mean, did was like Donald Trump their president at some point? And they were like, let's go back to monarchy. Like, they were like, electing people has not worked out. Yeah. Let's, let's what, try that thing again. Yeah. I mean, the, the issue was that they were always like, they were sort of part of the Ottoman Empire, but the Ottoman Empire was crumbling. Mm. And it was like, they were sort of independent. And it was, it, oh, it was, I mean, it was life in the Balkans. It was messy. Like, it was weird. Was. Um, yeah, no. I mean, once you've had once you've had a few years of disastrous and malicious, all of a sudden incestual and ineffectual sounds pretty attractive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except we're having malicious and incestuous yeah, and it's, ineffective now. It's, um, we're, we're breaking barriers. 
We're approaching the head of state singularity. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So she was born in Windsor Castle, actually, and her great grandmother Victoria was present. Um, I'm not sure how present. It was sort of oddly worded. Yeah, I was going to say, like, why? Yeah. Like, the queen doesn't need to mess with that. Uh, yeah, she was christened Victoria Alice Elizabeth Julia Marie, uh, known as Princess Alice, or something else Alice at the time. Uh, and she was uh, is was born deaf. Uh, oh. Yeah, but learned to lip read and speak English, German, French, and Greek. Wow. Yeah. Even this woman who's insane is better than me. Yeah. So and maybe she's not insane. Maybe she's just not good at lip reading. <laughs> Yeah, so she married Prince Andrew in 1903, and that's when she picked up Greek because he was the Prince of Greece and Denmark. Yeah. Uh, during the Balkan Wars, she worked as a nurse, uh, and then was the whole royal family was forced into exile in Switzerland during World War One. Sounds awful. Uh, the king declared neutrality, and that was so unpopular that the whole family had to leave. Wow. Uh, also during World War One, two of two of her aunts were murdered by Bolsheviks because they were in the Russian royal family. Oh dear. Yeah. So in 1920, they restored the monarchy uh, for a bit, but then there was a military coup, and they were all banished again. This time to Paris. Well, this explains a lot about Philip Mountbatten. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, and it is this point she became extremely relig- religious in the Greek Orthodox Church. She was. I thought she looked like the grandma in my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she was German slash Russian slash English slash she, uh, whatever. She never had a chance, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, she was actually uh, uh, confirmed as an Anglican, was married in two religious ceremonies, one Lutheran for the Denmark side and one Greek Orthodox for the Greek Jesus. side, uh, and wound up becoming really a devoted Greek or- Orthodox uh, They have believer. good iconography. I can, I can get on board with that. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she translated her husband's work into English. She was writing a defense of his actions during World War I. Uh, then she began claiming that she was receiving divine messages uh, and was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and sent to a sanatorium. Uh, the famous ballet dancer Nijinsky was also staying there oh, at the nice. time. Ooh. Uh, but not Pavlova. <laughs> is that what the royal we is about? What? <laughs> Those two? No. no. In, the, in the asylum? <laughs> <laughs> no, the royal we... Uh, I can't even... Guys, we'll be here all day. Yeah. So, all day. Yeah, and plus we're saving that for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We're um, trying to give our Patreon away for free, Red. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Pay up. Um, <laughs> both of her doctors at the sanatorium decided to consult with uh, Dr. Sigmund Freud, who was around, and Freud decided that she was sexually frustrated, so he recommended that they x-ray her ovaries in order to kill off her libido. That's not how that works at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point... Turns she, out it's actually her fetish. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, she began protesting that she was, in fact, sane and repeatedly tried to leave the sanatorium, uh, as you might expect. She kind of drifted apart from her husband, and when she did finally get out of the sanatorium... Was it because they x-rayed her over? <laughs> unclear. It says that Freud recommended that. It does not say whether or not it actually it took was place. executed. Yeah. So... I've, well, even if they had, they wouldn't have told her, apparently. <laughs> the medical care is not great on consent at the time. Right. Clearly. So she uh, just started wandering around Central Europe incognito uh, and lost touch with everybody in her family except her mother. Uh, but then her daughter died in an air accident, and at the funeral, she kind of remade contact with her family. Are we talking Zeppelin or hot air balloons? Uh, it just said an air accident. Oh, I believe, just... actually, it was a plane. Oh, okay. Yeah, I and mean, this is uh, the 30s, so... In 1938, she moved to a two-bedroom apartment in Athens to work with the poor, so Hmm. pretty laudable. And she uh, was torn in World War II as her son, Philip, was in the British Navy, and her sons-in-law were prominent Nazis. (laughs) 
and no, no, Nazis. 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 <laughs> It's like uh, schnauzer, but Nazi. Yeah, but she and her sister-in-law stayed in Greece. The rest of the royal family fucked off to South Africa for the war. Uh, a bunch of assholes. Yeah, and she organized soup kitchens and actually smuggled medical supplies in from Sweden, which she was able to visit as her sister was the queen of Sweden at oh, the time. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, at one point, some Germans, a German general, assuming that she was for Germany, given her son being in the SS. Uh, said, oh, just let us know. Is there anything we can do for you? And she said, yes, you can get your troops out of my country. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also a story of uh, a woman, Rachel. So after Mussolini fell, the Germans took over Greece and really started going after the Jews there, which the Italians had always been half-hearted about. (laughs) And... uh, that's not funny. It's just... No, it totally is. You can just imagine them just being like, we're really more into espresso and tiny vestas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Rachel Cohen, uh, her husband had done a favor to King George of Greece uh, back in 1913, and the king had said, oh, if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. And she was like, uh, ding, yeah. ding. So here, 30 years later, she uh, and her husband had died, but she went to Princess Andrew, and Princess Andrew sheltered her and her children and, and saved them. It must be nice to be royalty when they come for your people. Yeah. So she she was actually – Princess Andrew was uh, honored as uh, righteous among the nations mm-hmm. um, later on. She – after the war, it was still rough in Athens because a bunch of communist guerrillas were fighting the British for control. And yet she would still go around like distributing rations and things like that even after curfew. Somebody told her like, don't – aren't you worried you're going to get just hit by a stray bullet? Or killed by Bolsheviks like your relatives. Right. Uh, and she said – they tell me that you don't hear the shot that kills you, and in any case, I am deaf. So why worry about that? <laughs> I mean, this thing sounds chill. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> and I need to like get a picture of her and just be like, <laughs> can I just be as chill as this deaf lady, please? <laughs> yeah. So she uh, went. As we saw, she attended the marriage. Uh, part of Elizabeth's engagement ring, some of the jewels were her family jewels. Oh, that's worked nice. In. Um, 1949, <laughs> Family she, jewels. <laughs> yeah. She uh, founded an order of nuns, uh, a nursing order, which uh, she enjoyed. Uh, her relatives were confused by it as they said, what is it? <laughs> What is it? Uh, something along the lines of, what is one to think of a nun that smokes and plays canasta? <laughs> that sounds great. If there was, if there was an order of nuns like that, well, that also didn't have a vow of celibacy, <laughs> I'd be all about it. Yeah, well, this one did, uh, people were not all about it. It wound up folding because nobody really joined. <laughs> they were Latter-day Shakers. Yeah, so after that, uh, it, uh, was in fact getting to the 60s, so she decided to take a spiritual trip to India, and she claimed to have an out-of-body experience there. And in 1967, she was kicked out of Greece for the last and final time <laughs> after yet another coup, uh, and wound up being buried actually in Jerusalem near her aunt that had been murdered by the Bolsheviks and was honored as a Orthodox saint. Oh. Um, the people, com- her relatives complained that she was going to get buried so far away, and she said, don't be silly, there's a perfectly good bus service. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I just like I knew nothing about her. I just randomly click on this article and just reading through, being like, "Oh my god, this is like what an insane life that this woman had." What a what a hun nun. Yeah, yeah. So and and we you know Philip was uh, in danger several times, evacuated uh, from Greece as a baby when it seemed like they were just maybe going to kill all the royal family. Um, so he he had a pretty tumultuous time of it in his childhood. It would seem okay. Well. 
that explains some of his gaslighting, but I still don't co-sign on it. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, you're welcome. That was extremely interesting. I thought it was. <laughs> Let's talk more photography. <laughs> okay, we will, because now we're getting back to the episode, and the king grabs a box from Pete Townsend and gives Elizabeth her gift, which is a very compact motion picture camera, or a home movie camera. I was like, what, what do you call it when it isn't video? Yeah. <laughs> um, and saying that if her marriage is happy as his has been, he doesn't want her to miss a single thing. Uh, Elizabeth is astonished and pleased, and then her mother calls her over. She calls her Lilibet, which I think is a great nickname. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I like it so much. I just do. <laughs> um, and everybody prepares to go out on the balcony for the public greeting after the wedding. And it, it also makes a lot more sense, the like Lilibet, Lilibet to Betty nickname. Like just You see the <laughs> etymology there much more clearly. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, Oh, I thought you meant like for her. I was like, no, they, not for I'm her. Like, but just just in life. Yeah, just in life. <laughs> um, so everybody is going out for the greeting, and the king starts coughing, and uh, Pete Townsend lights him a cigarette because once again, old timey people didn't know <laughs> no stuff. stuff. It's a good time. People love it, <laughs> uh, and the crowd is chanting, "We want the king!" for like a good, yeah, like they're not kidding. thirty to sixty seconds. Of him, like, trying to compose himself and not, you know, barfing a lung out on his <laughs> adoring subjects. But eventually he goes on out and he's waving and everybody's happy. Yeah. Well, because if he does it, then it just becomes a royal tradition and every king has yeah. to do it. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then they do the royal wave. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> they, no, they cough into their hand. <laughs> then they do the royal wave and it just slowly slides down their arm. <laughs> uh, cut to 12 months later. Uh, and, and we see uh, footage, presumably filmed by that very camera. Uh, clearly not filmed by that happy very camera. Happy marriage montage. <laughs> <laughs> we got the happy marriage montage. Indeed. Not narratively interesting, but there was a while when it was a happy marriage. It was nice, uh, it was nice to see Prince Charles before he got super uggo. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. You. But I mean, I know even like this, you know, this child actors and whoever they have playing... Prince Charles later in life is going to be. You definitely get the feeling that like they recast Prince Charles every episode to convey how little they cared about their children. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes the scene at the end of this movie hilarious when uh, uh, Mountbatten is concerned about being away from the children for months. I'm like, you're British. That's your entire parenting philosophy. (laughs) Those parents never even meet their children. Not there was no one have, to introduce a son. Not until they have an appointment <laughs> that they can be proud of. <laughs> there was no one with the appropriate rank. <laughs> I've never met my son. <laughs> Cla- classic problem of a British society. Who is to introduce one to one's children? <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's uh, a bunch of guys rowing shirtless, and they win. Philip is one of them. Uh, yeah, I like they're the like, old rowing. They're like they're okay. They're like a they're like sevens by British standards. Right. I don't know, but they're also dweeby. Again, even a lot the- of dweebs in this show. <laughs> I'm just surprised they're, they're sevens even on the British curve. Yeah, well, they're, they're all very like blonde and tanned. Mm, yeah, you know, they've all been rowing, so they're in pretty sh- top shape. I also love uh, like. You know, rowing now, it's like they're all literally on a plank of perfectly formed graphite. Like there's yeah. – that they all just have stuck up their asses. Yeah. It's so fun watching rowing in an actual boat. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a boat that you could be seen escaping from. Like that's, you know, it, it, it just – It has a more purpose. fun that way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see bagpipes – or we I guess we hear bagpipes being played at a Maltese villa, which is a little jarring. 
it's a little jarring. I was like, this seems like we should. Hey, have- we know this is Malta, but we're the British family, and there's going to be some <laughs> fucking bagpipes, people. What's more exotic than bagpipes? <laughs> uh, Elizabeth gathers everybody around so she can announce that her husband, uh, Lieutenant Mountbatten, <laughs> is becoming Lieutenant Commander Mountbatten. And uh, everybody's excited. She has the kids giving uh, him his new epaulets. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bertie from Downton Abbey answers the phone. <laughs> his name in this is Mart Martin. Uh, which not not is to be bit, confused with Bertie. Not to be confused from, with Bertie, who's also King George. Who's, <laughs> King Christ. who's currently getting surgeried. I like that really our nicknames don't clarify <laughs> oh, for yeah. anything for anyone yeah. at any time. No, I think King Ling Price. I feel very yeah. good about that one. Yeah, that one will work out. Uh, Anyway, uh, Bertie comes in to tell Elizabeth there's an important call from London, and she looks appropriately concerned. And she dash- dashes off, and Mountbatten also looks concerned. In a not entirely chaired, I just feel like every time they pull in on him, it's very Slytherin. Like, <laughs> and there's a real Slytherin air right. about him. Yeah. Back at the palace, Queen Mary of Tech takes a drink. And uh, so in... A giant room with stained glass windows and sun beaming down. Uh, the king is getting cut open. And it's it, so jarring. I know. And that totally happened. Yes, yeah. No, no. That totally happens. Every time I see, you know, just, oh, well, especially when we grew up like I did on the west coast of the United States, no building is older than 35 minutes. Yeah. And they're all built <laughs> for the exact thing that you're doing in that room. Like yeah. there's just a dusty spot where the TV has been forever. And the idea of like general purpose rooms going back century are just incredibly foreign. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't think this was a general purpose I mean, do you think that was like a surgery? Like, although I, you know, I can't imagine them going to a hospital. No. Like it would be a nightmare. Yeah. It does. It just is so weird. And I mean, it it, it does seem like I, I, you know, I would rather go to a hospital myself rather than be operated on in a cathedral like that. I don't know, but like, you, were, you, but you might feel differently if you were born into this family. Well, I mean, yeah, we're 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 also only into like within King George's lifetime, medicine has gone from only being convalescent care to being like something that can actually yeah. do yeah, something to save lives. Like so. soap was invented. Right. Penicillin <laughs> wasn't like things have changed a lot. Right. Yeah. In a very short period of time. We're just barely past the point that they're like, oh, hand washing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it helps us out a little bit, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they are graphic in the surgery scene. Yeah, I thought of you when I was watching it yeah. because <laughs> you don't <laughs> like this at all. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> no <laughs> men that I have ever podcasted with because Ivan hates Nobody Viscera, you hate Viscera, and you hate Viscera. It's, it's real true. gross. You guys are all pussies. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> they roll it, the, I couldn't escape the mental image because they roll his extra lung up in newspaper. And I, I just, know, and it was like fish and chips. Yeah, no, I just imagined them <laughs> taking it somewhere and chopping it up and serving it to unsuspecting people. That's a little more Greek than English. <laughs> <laughs> Every time in my life I see a, like food served <laughs> in a newspaper, that's what I'm going to think of. Oh, we're having lung tonight. We're having the king's tumor. <laughs> yeah, so this scene is as horrifying as our current discussion. <laughs> so gross yeah um the car pulls up elizabeth and philip hand the kids off to a nanny as they join the rest of the family uh, and the uh, queen mary says that they have been operating for two hours Ugh. uh and a doctor or some other official person we find out later that it is in fact a doctor yeah but it was just i was like who is this guy he just looked right. like philip baker hall to me um so all philip, those doctors look identical yeah, philip he baker actually hall had a very a very small part in wolf hall uh as the guy who tells the story as about 
that's, that's the guy who tells the story at uh, Catherine of Aragon's trial about young King Arthur coming out on his wedding the day after his wedding night. Right, yeah. that guy. Yeah. Ugh, that scene made me so mad. Yeah. Anyway. We look again. Don't get us started on Wolf Hall. Don't get us started on the Royal. We yeah. be here forever. We, we, we're getting ourselves started. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the doctor says the king is uh, fine. The operation was successful. The king's condition is satisfactory, well, and he very specifically says the king's immediate post-operative condition yes. is very satisfactory. This show is really a study in semantics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Queen Mum. I have designated her the Queen Mum because we all know where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she collapses and is like sobbing in relief. And, uh, Mountbatten greasily goes into the theater to go, you know, yeah. what, what is presumably supposed to be a sterile environment. Right. I don't think they've invented sterile environments. <laughs> I don't know. But well, anyway. I, I think Cla- just Everything I, he does, I feel like he's just like willing him to die. In 1947. Which is weird. In 1947, class superseded germs. <laughs> I just feel like it's... Uh, no one would dare. <laughs> <laughs> no, one wouldn't dare bring a germ to the king. <laughs> I thought about that, too. It could be everybody's kissing the sovereign's hand every time that they meet. And, like, the fact... I mean, honestly, we should be taking Queen Elizabeth's blood and <laughs> synthesizing a cure for the common cold. They because... Yeah, no, they scraped uh, one of her hands, and it's exactly like a Bart seat. Like everything, <laughs> <laughs> every disease is on that hand. <laughs> yeah, um, and it also just does seem kind of classless, just to wander I mean, into I your father-in-law's. The point, the point of this surgical. episode, as far as he is concerned, is to demonstrate his relative classness, classlessness, and lack of sense of duty mm. uh, relative to the the British royal family. Mm-hmm. Which I know you have opinions about. None. It's so fun watching, watching you not being able to say things. This is like really enjoyable. <laughs> is this what it was like watching Mm-mm-mm. me podcast Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, early on. <laughs> early on when I knew everything and you yeah. guys didn't know anything. Oh. <laughs> uh, in the kitchen, the radio announces that Winston Churchill has been elected prime minister. Uh, and Pete Townsend argues with the chef about what uh, is acceptable for the king's diet. So I, d- I didn't notice this, and I- I'm only bringing this up because I didn't catch this the first time around. This is five weeks later. Yes. And okay. I in the kitchen. Don't think that I wrote that down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and this is the most most up, up yours downstairs oh, scene. It is. It is yeah. because this the, is like the only time we see servants, really. Yeah, yeah. and I did actually like the like because the, the head cook is like, "All right, turn the radio off. We'll still be prime minister tomorrow." Yeah. Which, <laughs> but what it, I and there's the implication there is that it's a democracy. They have they're rightfully curious about who won the election. They were allowed to have the radio on for that purpose. Like right. he let them do that, and then it was like, "Okay, now back to being a back taskmaster." To life. Back we, to the crown. We know the results. Commentary is for lazy. Like, we don't need... <laughs> I, I actually appreciate it. He likes, he likes the facts, but any punditry, he's just not on board you know, with. honestly, so, I agree. Because any time election results have come in, yeah. Tom's always super into it. And I am like, okay, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to listen to Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews sputtering about this for three hours. He, he's the Nate Silver of its day. <laughs> really. <laughs> Little good Nate Silver did us. <laughs> I know he has no control. <sighs> yeah, I, I, he uh, in uh, the, in the king's bedroom. He asks his valet who won the election and is pleased that it was Churchill and watches Churchill watches Churchill Churchill on yeah. on television. Churchill going to church. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and that speech continues. They cut, you know, from the, the TV to the, the, as it's happening. Um, and then he enters some building. It's, was yeah. it 50 Downing Street? 10 Downing Street. 10, oh, well, shit. Yeah. Look, guys, I don't live there. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care where the prime minister lives except for that one episode of Doctor Who with Harriet Jones. Um, anyway, Churchill meets with a Dr. Moran. Moran. I can't remember how they said it. Uh, who takes his blood pressure as Churchill eats soup. And uh, he tells him, we can do better, Winston. And I'm like, he's a million years old, man. Like, let it go. I've, yeah. I've seen the movie. So- well, I've. I've read about the movie saw on Wikipedia, and the only thing more viscerally upsetting than that is John Lithgow as Winston Churchill eating soup. <laughs> <laughs> he like sticks his tongue out. It's, like it's no. just oh, it's, it's actually, gross. It's a lot like my it's late so grandfather eating soup. It's not. It's not fun. <laughs> Look, and this was totally, totally John Lithgow's idea. <laughs> he was like, uh, "What if I was eating soup? <laughs> what if it was disgusting?" <laughs> I really want to get at the raw Churchill. <laughs> I mean, nothing. Well, nothing is more suggesting of infantilism than the way he sucks on a cigar. Uh, uh, like, it's uh, uh, every time it happens, I become Kiff talking to Sav Brannigan and. <laughs> 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 I've been elected prime minister. <laughs> Inform the men. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he hands the doctor a medical report. Uh, as I think he is he eating soup and smoking a cigar in this scene. No, I, I think it's uh, slightly later. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, he gives him what is very clear to we the audience as the king's medical report, mm-hmm. and the doctor says he's not concerned about the bronchosp- bronchoscopy. That's hard to say. Yeah, it is. Uh, put it in a dirty limerick. I'm sure I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, but so there's a lot of talk in them report about quote unquote structural alterations, which means cancer. Oh, it means cancer. Uh, yeah. And there was a huge, I didn't, you know, we've all lived with cancer being kind of a fact of life. Right. I think all of our lives. <laughs> sure. And there was just such a taboo about it in the fifties. And yeah. I mean, I guess we had that with AIDS. So I just, I have a total, you know, there was sort well, of I just, a weird, I like the like, way, moral component. The way that the doctor phrased it says, it's, you know, what doctors put when, uh, you know, when they don't want to say what it always is. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think because at that I think point. He said invariably. Yeah. It's more British. Yeah. I mean, at that point, there was, as far as I know, literally no treatment for it. So it's a, yeah. it's a death sentence. Nobody understands it. Germs are relatively new. Like people don't understand what is and what is communicable. Yeah. Like, and yeah. actually that's a parallel to the AIDS crisis yeah, because sure. people assumed that that was a, you know, a, uh, communicable disease. I mean, it, it you know, they right, got right. It in the course of a regular, over the air. Yeah. 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 Um, airborne. I'm like, what is that frame? <laughs> uh, what's that stuff that doesn't prevent colds? Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, Churchill refuses to tell the doctor who the patient is. And it's never made clear how he got this report. Like, I don't know if it's just part of his standard. He got one of those little boys. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, so we see more of this in upcoming episodes. But the extent which the government has, like, official visibility into the royal family's, like, most minute details is shocking. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things that never got old for me. Like, every time I was like, how dare they? Like, so I assume that literally the doctors just faxed a copy. I'm I'm just kind of inured to it because, like... I 
have seen enough like stuff about Roy, like things like just reading um, Antonio Fraser's biography of Marie Antoinette mm-hmm. um, and reading the level of scrutiny just about Marie Antoinette's menstrual cycles and like everybody in court oh, wow. knew about it. And oh god, her mom was such a bitch. <laughs> like her mom would just be like. Oh, did you get your period again? again? (laughs) Why can't you just make an air? Why'd you get your period again? I'm sure Maria Teresa did not sound like that, but (laughs) I hope that she did. (laughs) Well, it's also implied that this was written by the doctors for outside consumption, like not necessarily public, but to be distributed. Yeah, so but but, I mean, yeah. So it's anyway, it's weird. There's there's probably some ethical lines being crossed here. (laughs) This is a definite HIPAA violation. But then we cut to the king who's getting makeup put on himself, and he's insisting that he cannot look sick or vulnerable. And this just made me excited, uh, excited, exhausted about my inevitable return to corporate America. Um, I just, oh, man, I was listening to Another Round, which is a BuzzFeed podcast with Mm. Heaven and Tracy. Oh, that's really good. It's so good. And they have this... um, sort of like career coaching segment on sometimes and it was just the whole episode and the woman was saying oh you know uh you can't show emotion or be vulnerable in spaces that aren't set up for that and i'm like crying as i'm listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think gonna go well <laughs> but i mean it is and you know it's so you know it's so fascinating to me how much of our corporate culture feeds off of this sort of ancient monarchical approach where it's like any any fallibility or humanity is seen as weakness. And I'm like, this is why people shoot up the airport. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm depressed. Uh, now you know. <laughs> no, I mean, that that is something, too. And it's it's it, it, it comes from both sides, too, because mm-hmm. there's the idea that, you know, the. The, the corporation wants you to be as productive and as professional as possible. But then even from the other side, it's like everybody, you know, the, the idea of behaving professionally, which has a lot of good reasons for doing mm-hmm. that, but it just becomes, it's a smaller and smaller box of acceptable behavior that you can, like yeah. you're just such a small fraction of a person when you're working at an actual company. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, yeah. And it's even, I think honestly, it's more frustrating now that we all have human resources who like pretend to care. No, but they don't care at all. If you're listening to this right now, the one thing you need to know about human resources is they are there to fuck you. They, <laughs> they, they are, are there they to are protect the company. In the grass, that, who will lie to you? You should never go to human resources. No, not with anything serious. They're fun to hang out with. They're not. They're they're great to drink with. They're, they're nightmare human beings when they're performing their jobs. Yeah, but it is just yeah. <sighs> anyway, look, guys. Uh, if you're not paying human resources, they they're not there for you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, back to the show. Yeah, uh, Churchill pulls up to the palace, and uh, a servant has pulled up an armchair for the king. But the king says to get rid of it. Yeah, uh, and so the formally greets him. This is the standard. You just got elected, and I officially ask you to form a government in my name. Um, <laughs> As that- if he could stop them. He just had a lung removed. <laughs> is this a thing that Churchill had no poker face? <laughs> because that that is like in no situation is he like able to hide what he's actually. I mean, that's another reason I've always kind of admired him though, because it seemed like he was that kind. Of, that's the kind of person that I've tried like in professional situations. I'm like, what you see is what you get. Some people don't like that. Make that very clear. Um, yeah, but well, uh, you know, so many people didn't like that about Churchill either. I know. Yeah. Hence the fact that he is not currently, you know, at the beginning of the episode, prime minister. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm not trying to be prime minister. I'm just I mean, trying to make six figures. I, I don't entirely believe you. 
I feel like there's a non like there's ten percent of you that's thinking about how you could be prime minister. <laughs> like when the so rules tired. when the rules and regulations of like who can and can't be prime minister, mm-hmm. you're just like you're paying a little more attention than you thought you would. Look, okay, I just read my North Node horoscope, <laughs> uh, and it says that in a past life I was in charge a lot, and that's why I constantly want to be in charge now. But uh, much like En Vogue told me, I'm never going to get it in this <laughs> lifetime. So you're saying you've already been prime minister. I've right. already been prime minister. So, so I why guess would you I do it again? Just, I know. Look, guys, Are there any female prime ministers that have died? Uh, like In office? Or just in like, general? Like, oh. in a, in a like there haven't been any female prime ministers for very long. And I'm right. just wondering if any of them had died by the time you were born. It's I don't know. We can, uh, yeah. we can certainly look into it. Yeah. Or, you know, you just know, not. Or somebody who listens might. <laughs> That's I was right. born November 19th, 1982. <laughs> if you think it's possible, I could be the reincarnation of some badass <laughs> lady prime minister. Uh, please let me know. Yeah. <laughs> very important information. That's <laughs> not. I just need to deal with life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the king is delighted that Churchill won the election, uh, and they make fun of Clement Attlee. <laughs> uh, a car pulled up to the House of Commons, and Mr. Attlee got out. Well, it was an empty car. <laughs> what did I say in it? You just said a car. An empty car. Yeah. There's, uh, what, the thing I do like most about this scene, these two is the way that he basically, in the most British way possible, tells him, I am dying. By insisting that he is doing great. Yeah. Like, well, that's what I, and they what both like understand it. Like, it's very clear. And then now Churchill has deniability. Like, yeah. when he's yeah. like, no, he's doing great. Well, I just, this There's is, color in his face. Yeah. This is, <laughs> of, of the two roles I've seen, uh, Jared Harris? Yeah. Yeah, Jared Harrison. Both times he's playing somebody that is clearly dying, but just too British to make a fuss about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I loved him in Mad Men so much, you guys. He yeah. was very good in Mad Men. Oh, he was so good in Mad Men. His character did things that upset me sometimes. Possibly, but like, possibly the most realistic finding a guy who'd killed himself scene ever filmed. Yeah, mm. at least like the that surrealism of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and the, that it's not played. It's played for surrealism more than it is for drama. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I just got caught up in that. I about <laughs> it in a while. You also just spoiled Mad Men. What? <laughs> I know. It's we're actually time. we're very we don't care about people like that. Like you no. know, much like I'm like oh you know this is. Very old history. You I, should know this. If it's been five years since the episode aired, yeah. I'm done feeling bad. <laughs> like, no matter how good it was, you should have gotten around to it. Make time in your day for Mad Men. <laughs> A friend of mine's boyfriend just broke up with her. This is not the whole reason. Uh, I don't even know that it was a factor, but she told me this last night that he, like, she was, like, watching Mad Men, and she just, like, skipped to the end. Like, she didn't, like, watch all of the episodes, and he got mad at her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this, I'm glad he, I'm glad he broke up with you. <laughs> Please don't go back with this guy. He does not have an appropriate sense of scale. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the king suggests that the there's an upcoming tour of the Commonwealth, and he thinks that Elizabeth should take it instead of him uh, because they need to begin breaking her in gently for the future, the distant future he is careful to point out. See, I also read more denial into this, I think, than either of you did. Well, no, because um, he does not ne- yet know that he's dying. That's a, that's a fair point. Yeah. You're right. Oh, right. That, that, that happens next. later. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, why did that feel so fresh in my mind? It was because it was on when I got here. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's true. So he, he, uh, yeah. So I think he really does 
I think he thinks he's going to be diminished, but I don't think he thinks that he's dying. Gotcha. Yeah, because no, they have They haven't okay. really even yeah, told him that he had tumors yet. Like yeah. it's right. it's all been so euphemistic <sighs> again. But this is also the thing that I struggle with. This is where I struggle with the monarchy and also um, business. It's like okay, we'll deny and deny and deny, and everybody thinks they're doing it for the benefit of the other party, and then everybody's fucked in the end. Right. No. So. Um, Somebody get a human resources department to create a training around this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. So then we see the Churchills pulling up to 50 Downing Street, and Clementine is not thrilled. Her name is Clementine Churchill. Ooh, I like that. That is, like, I want to name a dog Clementine (laughs) Churchill. Um, Which, not as a ding, like, as an honor to Clementine Churchill, who I'm sure had a horrible life. Oh, man. So so sad this isn't the finale. (laughs) Uh, so Churchill is loving being back at 50 Downing Street like it's McDonald's and Churchill says he wants everything as it was before when he was there and uh, there's one young woman who's a new employee who like they point that out and I'm like they're fucking I don't know. No, like, I know, right? I was like, he's going to bang this. And, but I'm like, but I'm also like, ugh. But also like structurally, is that even possible? Like, <laughs> uh, like can, can a gelatinous mound have sex with a human woman? Uh, just elderly, elderly white men to oh, me giant are Winston just Churchill. disgusting. And <laughs> disgusting old yeah. giant Winston Churchill, John Lithgow. Like, I don't, yeah, want, right. I don't also, want this show to like, show me the gritty sexual yeah, side. And be, also what a Jack would be like, you have to arrange all the furniture just like it was when I was here before. So I don't I have to learn anything new i i had uh, trying to have sex with winston churchill at this point would be like trying to fuck a batch of pancakes like if you were a woman like there's no just pancake batter there's no way there's no way it would work now i'm kiff <laughs> so clementine says uh they go into like the dining room and Clementine says she wishes uh, that they'd seen the back of 50 Downing. It's, it's 10 Downing. 10 Downing. One of the Downings. <laughs> 50 Downs is in football. Anyway, I don't know. It's a big How residence. 50 Downing is probably part of the compound. <laughs> I, think, I think we can all agree I know nothing about football or the address of the British <laughs> Prime Minister. And uh, Churchill expresses skepticism about the king's health and the rouge he was wearing. Uh, can't slip anything past this drunkard. Nope. <laughs> so he informs Clementine that it's cancer and that nobody knows, not even the king. Uh, they they get lunch brought in there to see what they've been serving for the last third <laughs> years. Probably some of this millennial crap. <laughs> Churchill starts waxing philosophical about death, which is hilarious coming from somebody who's 11 million years old. Right. I mean, and, listen, no, he's actually, I looked it up, he's 35 in this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> really will fucking ruin you. Uh, World War II was rough. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, his wife then tries to tell him that he's too tired to handle a royal transition because he keeps insisting, like, it's going to require someone who has statesmanship. And experience. And, you know, and he says, he says, uh, you know, she needs me. And his wife's like, what? Who? <laughs> and I saw a recapper was, like, making, like, the anvil comparison, like, her? <laughs> and, and then she's like, oh, her. No. Like, as in, like, Elizabeth. And I'm like, Clementine, I'm a big fan. Big fan, Team Clementine. But how do you not know who he's fucking talking about? <laughs> but does he? So the way I remember this scene is just like her, huh, and she's like who, and then he turns like a lizard. It's just like, ah! <laughs> 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 and she's like, oh, her. Slithering all over the place on this show. So good. Nation will meet a disgusting man at the helm to get through this. <laughs> I, I see why they named the tiny oranges after her. Just a delight. <laughs> just a delight. 
she's so great. And I'm like, she just wants to, she just wants to kick back. Yeah. They didn't have any kids, did they? I have no idea. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I, not knowing Churchill, he probably like tried to lead his country by firing them into a cannon. You <laughs> will like this because his mother was an American. Oh, uh, wow. She wow. was an American in the same way that Cora on Downton Abbey uh, came over and you know was wealthy and married a British lord who needed a hot cash infusion. Nice. Um, but so his mother was an American and she like – he was so prominent because she was able to give him like that outsider's perspective. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you'd think he would have had children if he could. He was from a very long-lived yeah. family. So I don't know. What? Unlike most people. If you go back you, through history, you, most people have had. Do you know what your father, you know, great-great-great-grandfather and the, you know, a direct line was doing in the 1600s. I, I, there's an, because there's, no. Winston Churchill did. He was super famous. It's he was not the Duke that of it Marlboro. was a long line. It's that it was a great it family. Was, it was a yeah. notable line. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Let me go back. They had kids too. That's just keeps <laughs> happening all the way through my family line. No. It's just nuts. Some of the uncles and aunts know, but like... <laughs> Like, when you go direct line, it just keeps going child after after child after after child after. <laughs> it's bro- it's got to be a record. I mean, it's like, I've got at least 30 or 40 if I look back right in a row. <laughs> Sorry. This is the worst SNL sketch ever. <laughs> oh, it'd be the be- Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Philip and... David S. Pumpkins for really boring people. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some questions. God, I want to watch that again. We were all so young <laughs> when David S. Pumpkins was around. Uh, the golden age of SNL. It was five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Philip and Charles and Anne are playing around. As they're they're re- renovating Clarence's house, and he's apparently ten- attempting to use some intercom, and it explodes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, I would just... You know what? I just kill the intercom system altogether at that point. Yeah. Like, oh, if talking into were, it makes it explode. Were I, I did not even have any idea what the hell was <laughs> no, going on in this it, scene. It, I mean, the fuse went, but fuses right. were more violent at the time. Right. Yeah. Clearly. And, and, I mean, knob and tube wiring but is But he was terrifying. holding it right by her yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. Well, that explains Princess Anne. Mm. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. Listen, my, my parents' house has some uh, original uh, fuse box mm. from I God only knows when. And it is, uh, it'll, yeah, I mean, I've definitely uh, been shocked severely by it. Good. Uh, because well, they made the kids a lot about change Tom. the fuses because uh, they didn't want to do it. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> well, kids um, bounce back faster. It's just a fact. <laughs> oh, he wasn't earning the family living. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I survived. That that's why Catholic family. That's cost? why Catholic Catholic families have multiple kids in this modern era. Uh, I mean, they were the hoping fuses. that if it happened just right, I would develop superpowers. But <laughs> everybody sadly. wishes that, and yeah. none of us ever have. Yeah, yeah. it does. It Although I like to think of my mental illness as a form of mutation. <laughs> <laughs> is it helpful? Not necessarily. So Elizabeth is off to have breakfast with her mother and Princess Margaret, and Philip is going to stay home and pick out curtains. So gender non-trad. Yeah, very f- progressive. Yes. Uh, As Prince Phyllis, Philip is famous for being. Yes, he's so feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder, like, a lot of his 
uh, pickiness. I forget what what's the term we get to use for that. Persnickety? No, no. no in he, this, it's, 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 she, she used, calls oh, him a snagaholic. Uh, snagaholic. Which I'm like, that is not a thing. Right. <laughs> I, I like to imagine. Snagaholic. <laughs> yeah, but she's royal. She came up with the word, and everybody had to be like, oh yeah, we, we sure that's know what that now. means. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Man, <laughs> in America, there'd be a lot of people referring to it as spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> but. But I, yeah, I, I sort of implied that it was in, in my head. I decided that it was because he had a military background. That he's like everything has to be just so. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. possible. Could have made be. that up. Yeah, I did uh, make it up. So Pete Townsend is on the phone in his office and is called to the drawing room where. Uh, Elizabeth is telling everyone that uh, Philip has many ideas about modernizing Clarence House, and he's quite ingenious with that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, the Queen Mom asks Pete Townsend as he comes in if he thinks the king is well enough to go to Sandringham for Christmas. Yeah. Margaret goes all weird again. Yeah. He's so bad at this. So, well, this, this is the most obvious one. This is, yeah. yeah. That it's like, how does her mom not notice? I think she does. I mean, again, I've only got, I've only seen a couple episodes into the future, but it seems like the queen mother is somehow aiding and abetting this. Not clear here at all yeah. because, uh, Pete Townsend says he thinks it'd be good for the king to get away. And then Margaret asks if he will be going and his face basically does a British nervous breakdown in five seconds. Like he just goes through all of these different contortions from like, <laughs> yeah. why, why are you, did they, how can I, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the queen mom is like, don't be ridiculous. He'll be at home with his family. And Margaret then says, she's only thinking of papa. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, you were not. Uh, yeah, well, I, in uh, fact, I hope you weren't because that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but also her mom, like you, you could see her mom being like, well, you've never thought of anybody but yourself in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. that's a good So point. I'm a little thrown off. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, Margaret is basically saying, oh, if it was up to... King Lane Price, yeah. he'd never let Pete out of his sight. So the Queen's like, oh yeah, good point. And then he's like, well, ask my wife. And I'm like, you are taking all the wrong lessons away from this interaction, <laughs> Pete Townsend. Uh, and Margaret is still acting weird in the face. And then uh, the Queen Mum gets up and goes with him off somewhere. And uh, so, of course, you know, we have all now determined that she's boning down. Like, oh, even, sure. even the slow among us have been like, aha. Yeah. Uh, there's some jiggery pokery afoot. <laughs> and so Elizabeth is basically like, uh, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself because that dude is married. The, the, the Her exact line where she's like, but he's a military man. And, and Elizabeth says, oh, I quite see the attraction yeah. to Peter <laughs> is the funniest and most intelligent thing she says in the entire series. Yeah. No, she's like, I get it. Yeah. But also... Yeah, yeah, we'd all like to fuck Peter. Like... <laughs> I mean, that's totally what she's saying. I mean, and especially the first time I was like, that's funny. The second time through, I screamed. I screamed. I mean, honestly, yeah. she's not wrong, especially yeah. if you watched him as Patrick and Cuff. Like, yeah. yeah, ladies ladies love Pete Townsend. Oh, oh, that's why I call him Group Captain Peter Townsend. That's <laughs> Ah, it's so good. And and then they, so this is actually the exact moment they show Tommy LaSalle in passing. His oh, stupid black okay. mustache, his like jet black hair, and it, it's... I finally figured out, he keeps reminding me of the guy who played Bruce Ismay in uh, the James Cameron Titanic. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, he keeps, like, he keeps, like, triggering something in me, and that must be it, because it, we have watched that 40,000 times. <laughs> and again, this is one of those things where I was like, this character is absurd, and then I looked up the actual Tommy LaSalle and read about it, and mm -hmm. I was like, they, they fucking nailed this guy. Well, that's probably the mustache that we were uh, yeah, told yeah. about. Oh, uh, yeah. Because we love a good mustache. Yeah. It's an epic one. Right. It's 
I've never seen. It's been a long time since, and, and I don't watch as much uh, British sure. t- television we call shows. Tommy Lestache. Yeah. yeah, he. It's. I've never seen such an uh, assertive and dour mustache in my life. <laughs> like it, it's really like you don't want to upset it. Yeah. <laughs> Every November, it feels like it's in charge. <laughs> Stash in charge of our days. He literally is. Yeah. He literally is in charge of their days and their nights. Yeah. yeah. More so than I would prefer. <laughs> mm, Tommy LaSalle. You're so mad. Don't like him. <laughs> Just I listen, plain don't like him. Well, I, well, I was going to say, given given a lot of your uh, proclivities uh, and affinities for the crown and certain aspects thereof, uh, I expect we'll have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to get into some serious arguments mm-hmm. about it. But. <laughs> so... Group Captain Peter Townsend ex- escorts the doctor to the king's office, and the king says he was told to expect some soreness and difficulty breathing, but he was not told to expect this, and he holds up a handkerchief full of his lung. Um, <laughs> this is not funny, yeah. but it's no, so it is. hilarious. But the Britishness of it, again, they do the same thing, where it's like, I feel like he doesn't want to be on the record, having asked his doctor, how long do I have to live? Yeah. yeah. And that, like, so... He walks out of this room, and if any of his family says, like, how long do you have to live? He would say, I didn't ask. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, point. it's, it's, they, they fucking loophole everything. It's yeah. genius. Yeah. I'm jumping ahead slightly, but my favorite is at the, the end of this episode when he has an entire box dedicated to his blood-soaked handkerchiefs. Yes. That is, like, my favorite detail. <laughs> I'm like, that is, number one, disgusting. Number two, practical. Number three, ha <laughs> Yeah. Number four, but it's I'm so sh- attractive. I'm sure that was actually the blood handkerchief drawer in that yeah. desk. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we must desk- get the blood handkerchief receptacle out of storage. It's not been used since this Prince is one Albert. Con- it's not like people coughing up blood hasn't been an important part of history, you know, <laughs> yeah, for a an long time. Part of monarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we get the blood blood kerchief drawer a little deeper on this one? The last <laughs> one was I had, I had to fold it every time. I, just, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, so the the doctor is finally like, uh, yeah, dude, it's a tumor. And he says that he had wanted he to... He says it's not a tumor! <laughs> uh, he, he says that he had wanted to tell the king before, and I'm like, you were right, dude. You should have yeah. You should have done that. So, well, it's wh- like, who told you not to tell him? Yeah, so that's actually a question... Who outranks you? So that's a question I, le- talking to the king? I legitimately yeah. have, because who has the full picture? The surgeon's in the room, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe the prime minister... So clearly that that paper that we had earlier right. must have gone only to the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, but uh, and exactly like you're saying, so either he's not the head doctor, and what is the king doing dealing with not the head doctor, <laughs> or they or they're a democracy for some reason, <laughs> or it's like the actual head doctor is like an honorary title and he has no medical skills. Right, right. <laughs> he's just some lord, lord physician to the bedchamber. Most, yeah, no, most noble order of uh, physicianry. <laughs> Like yeah, just totally made up. And, yeah, in the same way that Philip Mountbatten is a knight. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. everyone in that house at Cambridge is an honorary physical doctor. <laughs> Very strange. Many going, have died. Going back hundreds of years. <laughs> so many deaths. They protested against having to take any tests in the realm of Edward the Sixth. <laughs> so what's next? Oh no, he thought he was going to get to have another surgery and live. <laughs> yeah, you can't you know, take out the oh, second lung. King George the Sixth. Who's still alive? <laughs> very, very hardy. And, and he acts the fuck out of the reaction. It could be years, more likely months. Yeah. 
It's so sad. Yeah, yeah. it was very sad. So, I was sad he's watching He's so it. good in this role. Yeah, yeah. Because no, he, he doesn't... He doesn't have a lot of time. <laughs> uh, but he just... This is, like, this is what I want to see. Like, Lithgow's playing the Britishness up because he's Bri- not British. Right, right. But when a British person... Red is coughing up blood. <laughs> quick, quick! Yeah, handkerchief for Cyndical. If you need more water, we can pause. I'm good. We can edit that out in post. <laughs> edit that out in post. Okay. <laughs> He's not going to edit it out in there post. No, that's what I was going to say. I was like, never edit anything out in post. <laughs> I do once in a while, but I've cut way back on that. It's usually yeah. just if I accidentally say something really offensive. <laughs> um... Anyway, but so Lithgow is playing it so British and just, you know, Lane Price is playing it. He's just, he's playing it normal, you know? Yeah. This level of Britishism is normal to him. So it's like you see, you see the character coming through. You see him having all these emotions as opposed, I feel like John Lithgow is just making the same face. Yes. Like, this is my Churchill face. Yeah. I mean, that'll be fair. (laughs) I've I've since gone back and looked at many pictures of Churchill and it does seem there's the one face. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually, I do feel that way also about Queen Elizabeth a bit, but I feel like there's subtle gradations. Like he just says that one face that's like, I'm better than you and my diaper needs to be changed. (laughs) (laughs) He was just imprisoned by his jowls from a young age. Like, So we see a train chugging along the English countryside, and the king looks out the window, uh, still smoking. He never stops. Nope, nope, never stops. Elizabeth also looks out the window. Mountbatten looks perturbed, as all he always looks perturbed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Philip perturbed Mountbatten. <laughs> and at the station, uh, various subjects cheer and wave flags, and there's more cheering as the family pulls up to Sandringham. This is what, you're never going to eliminate specifically the British monarchy. No. They fucking love it. They love it. You can't do anything about it. And honestly, when I hear stories about little girls giving bouquets of flowers to the fictional version of Kate Middleton <laughs> in the royal way, I'm like, just let it let him keep doing it. I know it's a drain on the taxpayers. It's cute. <laughs> so, so Sandringham is British Camp David. Uh, basically, yes. Okay. It was yeah. Well, I mean, dating for the king. Yeah. The, the prime minister's is uh, checkers. Ah. And, oh, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sandringham was made really prominent, actually, in the Edwardian era. Gotcha. Downton Abbey time by uh, King George the Fifth. Is that who was doing it? Then? That is who. No, King Edward the Seventh. That, that would oh, explain. Edward the second is that play. That, right. Oh, that, sorry. Right. I knew it was. A, I think I knew it was a number. <laughs> that would King expl- Edward the seventh and uh, Queen Alexandra. That was their preferred uh, place to go shooting. Gotcha. Um, they shoot so much. Like I thought they shot a lot in Downton Abbey, but they shoot a lot in this show. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> there's a. This is a very very minor spoiler for a later episode, mm-hmm. but there's another character who the who the prince is annoyed with because they're shooting. And he's brought out his his family gun, which is a fucking cannon. Like it's yeah. like he's it's like a shotgun with a way wider barrel than everybody, so he can just shoot. Because they're sort of it's sort of a competition. Like they're yeah, all just right. like seeing who can. And he's just basically killing every bird as, in the sky. As members of the landed nobility, they have no stakes. Oh yeah. So all they can compete about is shooting R- right. the duck and the grouse. But I, I just love that excuse was like, oh, it's the family weapon. It's like your family's been cheating. <laughs> For, for decades, <laughs> everybody hates you. Uh, so then we get some carolers coming up to the estate house singing. Yes, it's a bleak midwinter. England fucking loves that song. Uh, yeah, but we were sad because that is a uh, critical thing in Peaky Blinders. Have you watched Peaky Blinders? Uh, no, oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I think you would it. really like it. I, I think I would too. Um, 
So there's a bit where Killian Murphy just says, in the bleak midwinter. And he like says that anytime he's in danger. Yeah. It's like his mantra. Yeah. It's and, very weird. Yeah. And, and initially we were like, what? And it's from this song. So we, we were really excited that it was in here. Yeah. So um, in Los Angeles, there's a steakhouse called Lowry's. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you've been, but basically it's one of... I never of, been, but I've heard of it. It's one of these steakhouses that are of a certain type. They have like a huge meat carving cart that they push around. Mm-hmm. and But specifically Lowry's, which separates it from, say, House of Prime Rib in San Francisco. The whole staff is dressed like they are from this scene. <laughs> Like, I mean, it is, it is crazy. And so around, and they go, they do some next level stuff around Christmas. They literally have an extraordinarily talented quartet, uh, all dressed period. Uh And they will go table to tables and they will ask for, uh, the the carols that they will Mm -hmm. sing. And I was, I was literally, I had just seen something that had this. It was like, good King Wenceslas. And you should have seen their faces fucking light up. And they yeah. didn't even pause. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, that's a good one. We're like so sick of all the ones that everybody's saying. <laughs> but now every every time when I saw the scene, go I in, think of Next this. time you go there, you, you should ask for In the Bleak Midwinter. And oh, see. I'm going to. <laughs> but Dude, I mean, it's so specifically British. That, I like, bet they have it. Okay. I, I, like, I feel the amount of confidence they felt. <laughs> uh, foom, foom, foom is another good one. Ooh, another okay. Cut. okay. Oh, man. I love that song. We I should love go. It so we much. should all go down to LA and go to Lowry's okay. next Christmas. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, after specifically re- uh, researching the most hipster carols, we can yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh you man, probably, you probably haven't heard this. I'm one. gonna walk in with my uh, Tommy Lasalle mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh God, don't that, do that. Don't do that, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> don't do that to us. Especially don't do that to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, it, talking about. I was imagining doing it with like the shoe polish. Was how I was gonna dye oh, black, I see. which would be even worse. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would take forever to get out. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, the royals are all decked out as everybody oh, else yes, is yeah. dressed as peasants. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Pete Townsend leads the carolers in and a tiny tot presents the king with a box with a felt crown uh, that clearly is handmade. I can see the rickrack. First reference to the crown in the crown. Oh, yeah, that's true. No crown so far. First crown. First yeah. crown. First crown. Crown count. And the king dons the crown to the amusement of everyone. Yes. Oh, it is so funny. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> It's like a normal crown, but shitty. (laughs) Imagine me wearing this. (laughs) So then he joins the carolers. Oh, my God. The lyrics then get very on the nose. Yeah. Um, Because they're like, I now have cancer. (laughs) Yeah, I thought. Sorry. We're talking about different noses. (laughs) The king starts crying in front of everyone as he's singing with them because he knows that he's dying and nobody else knows but he knows yeah <laughs> oh god anyway uh yeah. then the queen mom applauds and everybody else like kind of joins it they're like this is not that great like <laughs> shitty. like he's not good they're right. not you know he had a lung removed he can't sing <laughs> i was just about to say as somebody who is uh uh grew up severely asthmatic whenever somebody has breathing problems and they're doing things that are taking their breath i'm like stop <laughs> yeah sit down have a glass of warm water like don't <laughs> Quit pushing your luck, buddy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the king thanks the carolers, and they, you know, that's yeah, the end. They get the fuck off. Yeah. yeah. They go have a pudding. <laughs> uh, so, see Charles riding a little bike around. Again, so cute. Gonna this be such is, an ugly at wh- all. Why is this? This is the most uh, cliche, rich people, 
old timey Christmas morning activity is kids in a like little car usually. Yeah, like they have bikes in this one. I'm sure if we look, they'd be a, a little aluminum car that they're pedaling around. Actually, that is the uh, richest kid thing we'll get ever. Into this a bit, but I was looking into some of the old home movies that they shot, and there is uh, one, one of those old cars. One of those little old cars. Yes, that, uh, Charles crashes into the side of. A Maybe car. they're all constantly referencing this actual childhood when they do like it literally in the game that old David Fincher movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they, they refer back to his childhood and they have the like old family film of yeah. them riding around in the car in front of the yard that looks exactly like this. Yeah. yeah. I feel I like mean, we've all reused the same stock footage <laughs> a million times. Well, there's only so much. Yes. Of stock footage. Mm, there's only, yes, that's true. It's all an allusion to uh, The Shining when Danny is pedaling his yeah. big wheels around. <laughs> <laughs> the crowning. <laughs> so, uh, the king summons Elizabeth into a study, and King Ling Price says that he hasn't got much to tell Elizabeth, uh, and she, there's some documents delivered to the king. No, no, no. You're skipping over Sorry, yeah. her face when he says, I just wanted to spend some time with you. And she damn near explodes. <laughs> like, in, in Elizabethan facial expressions, that was a goddamn backflip. <laughs> No, I mean, she lights up. Like, she yeah. very visibly is like, oh, yes, spend time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she, former, she formerly introduces himself through a third party who knows them both. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> Hello, I'm your daughter. We've never met before. Yes. And this is where we learn Philip becomes something of a snagaholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he gives her a little advice on... Uh, King slash queening uh, says that the things ruling reigning yeah reigning that yeah. the staff the things the documents that his staff don't want him to know about are always on the bottom but he's on to them uh, which you know it probably wouldn't take them long to figure that out Honestly, and start putting them on the top this again job but seems pretty easy <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish somebody would just every right. morning bring me a I mean granted he has to look at the box every day right you even wake on up Christmas but you read the internet that somebody's printed out for you yeah yeah <laughs> then uh, lunch yeah. It's pre- it's actually pretty similar to every other job now. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, oh, and so the the end of that conversation is that oh, you sh- you should take you should take Philip out shooting. Yeah, well- and this I love because that is also the solution to how to deal with Princess Diana's death in the Queen uh, in the Queen, which is written by Peter Morgan, oh. who wrote this. He wrote that. He also wrote a stage play called The Audience, where Helen Mirren also played Queen Elizabeth. So waking, waking up very early and going out shooting is like normal people going out late and getting drunk? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. Or like therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. shooting a gun is very therapeutic. Yeah. Um, so, and this is where the king's uh, officially asked Elizabeth to take over the Commonwealth tour, uh, despite the fact that his health is improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and she totally buys it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She, oh, she is dumb. <laughs> I wish they could see. You, I, think, I think we're going to need you to like take a selfie of your, of your Queen Elizabeth face. That could just be the logo for, for our Facebook ads. <laughs> just <Yeah>. complete emptiness. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> The, she just never needed to learn meditation. She's like, I'm present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a thought in my head. <laughs> I'm the queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what she's thinking. <laughs> your mantra is... I'm the queen. That's weird. That's weird that that's I think your mantra. Inside her head is just like when Homer drifts off and it's like, whatever, whatever the British version of Turkey and the Straw is. Yeah. Oh, it's the queen. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Uh, I do enjoy the father daughter relationship. It's in great. This. Oh, and his. Oh, I won't talk about that yet. Anyway, uh, good stuff to come, people. It's a good show. If you haven't started watching it, which again, I don't know why you're listening to this. <laughs> and we and we get uh, Matt Smith's ass for no reason, which is great. I loved him waking him up early in the morning, just harassing him. The 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 foundation of any attempt at a male friendship is making it incredibly awkward. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't believe that's the correct address for the king. <laughs> before we get to Matt Smith's naked butt, it's a nice it's a nice enough butt. I just hate that it's attached to the rest of him. Um, <laughs> She outlines that tour to him. They're, oh, right, all, right, right. they're all in like the family room, whatever, you know, the, the third smallest library or wherever it is that they're <laughs> hanging out. Uh, saying it'll be going to uh, Ceylon, Australia, New Zealand, Bermuda, and this talk of starting in Kenya. <laughs> and uh, Mountbatten is very cranky at the prospect mm-hmm. of going on this tour. And he doesn't want to leave his naval work, and he doesn't want to leave the children for months on end. Who, again, like, yeah. Charles is literally right there going, Daddy, come play! <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, shut up! <laughs> no, that, that's one of those classic things, It's and it's usually assigned to a, a woman in movies, that it's like, they want to win the argument, so they blame the children. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and, I mean, and I do, I do enjoy... I think they're deliberately like drawing that parallel because you know he's doing all the interior design. Sure, he is the one who gives a fuck about the kids. <laughs> um, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate them exploring how he's uncomfortable. Just we have Donald Trump as our president now, and I'm not feeling real charitable. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you know the one thing here that I thought was particularly you know yeah he's annoyed about not having his career, but then he goes on to say not grinning like an ape while you cut ribbons. Uh-huh. And I'm like the thing about it is that's then saying that her career because her career is standing around grinning ceremonially for her whole life. I don't know, but there is there is a meat to her job where she is being informed by people, like she is making decisions, she's dealing with. Uh, Parliament and his his role is ex- strictly and explicitly a but facade. He's also, I mean, and this I think is the really telling thing is, I mean, he is then devaluing the work of generations of women. And I mean, really, well, and honestly, they're not that far removed from having had a queen. No, I, well, but so I would say that the the royal family has explicitly done that in the deepest, most. Most honorary burn of all time when a king gets married to a queen, but a queen gets married to a queen's consort. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They've literally said, You're not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) A queen has, they literally have said, A queen has a place in our society. Mm -hmm. Uh, The queen's consort can go fuck himself. (laughs) I'm sure he did a lot. Uh, Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, At any rate, so again, he keeps being a dick until he finally is like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And then she is happy, and, uh, you know, the king, I don't think that, oh, the queen is pleased. I wrote, yeah. I wrote king, but I meant queen. In ancient Egypt, there was no word for queen. You know that? <laughs> they were just, all just kings. It was we all just... read about Hatshepsut. I was in a play about Hatshepsut. That's why I know it. It's not because I studied. It's because I was in a crap play well, at the Cincinnati Museum Center when I was 16. I'm sure the word just meant ruler. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Why gender it? That was the Egyptians' whole, not their whole thing. But, no. You know, they definitely. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, another argument is that, in fact. It, it was also bigger! <laughs> is that the word just meant king and was gendered, and when women were in charge, they would, like, have themselves painted with beards and such yeah. to indicate that they were, in fact, Male. kings. That's what this we think. This is like how I really want Maybe. to make a, a sweatshirt that is like that kale sweatshirt that's a takeoff of the Yale sweatshirt, mm-hmm. but I want it to say male, and then like wear it around and be like, eh, nope, 
You gotta treat me like a human being. Can't talk over me. Excuse me, I have to just go pee standing up. That was I. I was when I was a little girl. I was so pissed that I couldn't piss no, standing that's... up. I tried. I like. I would like try to straddle the toilet. And when you're three, like your legs can't stretch that far. No, that's that's the earliest example of the patriarchy that like really resonates with a small male human being. You're like you. That's that's awful. I don't. <laughs> but what? How do you live? <laughs> I've, uh, you know, actually, though, I've always felt like the one of the worst things that patriarchy does to men is like, why, why urinals? Why out in front of everybody? I find that to be awful. I think that's like in the etiquette around it. Some of them have walls between them. I know some of them do, but yeah, like the, many of them don't, and many that's many of them perfectly don't. acceptable. And a place like the stud bar, <laughs> uh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> everybody wants to see each other's dicks anyway. Yeah, um, but just why like here. why. <laughs> But it's just like this creepy, weird, subprimal dominance thing that has no, it has no place in society anymore. Right. I'm, I'm sure there's many women who have no idea that trough urinals ever existed or sometimes still exist. Yeah. yeah. No. Just gross. <laughs> there's nothing that makes and you I mean, feel like more women, like a cattle. Women, yeah. you know, people always complain, about, you know, like, oh, women always go to the bathroom in groups. It's like, yeah, because we don't have to pee next to each other. <laughs> we have boundaries in the bathroom. You guys don't go together because there's no boundaries. Yeah. Or if there is a boundary, then you get judged for taking a shit. Mm-hmm. Even, oh, if you're, even if you're not. Yeah. That's uh, sad, but true. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then so the, the king invites naked Philip to Wolverton Splash. <laughs> and Philip's like... Bugger off! Because he doesn't know who it is. Yes. And this I, this is maybe my favorite bit of the whole episode. Yeah. It's just King Lane Price being like, suck my dick! <laughs> I'm uh, the king. Uh, yeah. It, it is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's good. Because you see him when he leaves with his valet on the way out and he is cough laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh! <laughs> ah, I really, I really, I really, I really showed him. <laughs> I really uh, <clears throat> insulted my son-in-law while he was naked. <laughs> I saw everything. You saw the movie <laughs> If. The entirety of British masculinity is about insulting people when naked. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Run! <laughs> have you ever seen the movie If, starring Malcolm McDowell? I have not. It is this weird 1960s thing about yeah. British public school, and it is bizarre. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, is it public school? I always get it confused. I don't there. know how they do it's, things. It's, it's boarding, reversed. It's a boarding school. Public and private are reversed yeah. in the UK. So it's yeah. a public boarding school. But gotcha. anyway, but it's just like all about the horrible environment that that is. It's yeah. Once somebody explained it to me, it kind of it kind of got into my head because it's public if anybody can just pay money to go there. It's private if it's limited to the citizens of the UK. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's I guess, the, you know what? And, that wait, and I'm like, sense. I guess that that, that does sense. make sense. <laughs> I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah. In Europe, that makes much more sense. Right. Because so many more get, people study abroad mm-hmm. just as a matter of course there. Um, so like you're talking about like British families who live elsewhere sending their kids to. Right. Um, oh my God. I just have like the weirdest thought is Murdy the guy who says run in the corridor and if I don't think so. Cause I don't think the timing works out. Okay. But, I'm going to look it up anyway. Yeah. Feel free. <laughs> uh, okay. And then we get to see them all shotgunning. The hip hip hooray was the most awkward mandatory <laughs> thing. I, felt, I felt it, but they managed to. Cheers for whoever is so British, and they do that shit all the time. It managed to manage to capture the feel of a mandatory offsite meeting. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's yeah. what this is. Hip hip hooray! <laughs> well, and it's, so the it's the whole conversation that's a fairly like personal conversation between the two of them, where yeah. George is like, "Do you understand what y- you know your job is?" He's like. 
yeah. He was like, do you? He was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't, man. Yeah. I don't think this fucker understands what he's I don't think he does. The yeah. first time, The first time I thought... He under, so first of all, the first time through, I thought he was like, I'm dying. And he's like, oh, okay. And then the second time through, I thought he was like, I'm dying. And he's like, I, are, what? I, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I, feel no, like, yeah. I just mean, I don't think he understood what he was getting into in this relationship. Oh, no, certainly period. not. Period. Yeah. Certainly not. But anyway, they have this whole conversation. The camera's just on one of them or the other. And then it's like, okay, well, that's done. And then, it, you know, you get a wider shot. And it's like, oh, there's 20 random people just yeah. standing yeah. around right next to you. Yeah. That's All- what shooting is. Yeah. Shooting is going out and having very private conversations in front of 20 people <laughs> for some reason. Right. But, like, the, I mean, the gun's help just limited to... <laughs> The person whose ear yeah, you're shouting Yeah, you only hear like every third <laughs> word. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and uh, then we see Elizabeth uh, sort of intercut with this, going into the study and looking at that box and sitting in the king's chair and not having a thought in her head. Yeah. Uh, I read, I read a... <laughs> yeah, she just, there's a box and it says for the king or whatever, and she's just like, huh. <laughs> I, read, I read a recap and they're like, oh, she sits back regally. And I'm like, no. I mean, no. She just kind of plops down, and she's like, "Well, here is a chair." <laughs> I mean, regally is a very complimentary word that does mean incestuously thoughtless. Yeah, I guess that's true. no, it's like, yeah. I, I really... also enjoy in the the hunting part. There's just so many sh- shots, like shooting and shooting, and there's no evidence of any ducks at all. <laughs> yes, like, not at all. <laughs> not even like some just added flying. Like nobody even like threw a bag. Even Daldry's just like, I was spaced on the duck. <laughs> Add this later in CGI. I knew we forgot something. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> oh, man. Is there is there no more crown left of this there's episode? No more there crown is no left. more crown oh, left. Oh, but there's more upstairs downstairs left. That's right, because it is time for our other recurring segment, Fashion Backwards, with our clever camera woman, Kelly. That's me. So we're going to talk about uh, home movie cameras, Red. Yes. You already knew about Red that, Red just sat up in his chair. Yeah, he's, he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for this one. It's, it's why I came. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to go into the total history of, like, film cameras, because we already uh, covered that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. If you, if you okay. have something to add, you can totally throw it in there, but we have, we've gone through a lot of that, but it, basically, uh, they were invented in the late 18, 1880s, and they weren't really popularized for home use until 1923, because I was, like, totally shocked that he was giving her this video, or this movie camera, mm-hmm. but then I was like, oh, people just, like, had them forever. Because, like, for me, even, like, growing up, like, having a camera was, like, so extravagant. Yeah. Like, oh, it yeah. Was, like, it was my, my aunt in, Lo- in New York had one, and she had a Super 8, and she would bring it and, like, film us, and we would just flip out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they, they are the, – the thing about them that's extravagant is actually – I mean, the device is expensive, but you could get one. It's the film. The ongoing cost yeah. of the film and the process of getting it developed is just – I mean, if you did anything but film your family like three times, which is what most people do with these cameras, yeah. um, it's it gets extravagant very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Well, and uh, up until safety film was invented, which I believe was like in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. it was extremely flammable. Uh, so this was potentially safety film here. Which plays a big part in the movie of the Inglorious Bastards. I was going to say Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's the only movie that I yeah. know of. Yeah. And um, it's also the reason why we have no footage of many uh, famous stars like Theta Barra. Mm-hmm. We talked about on here and things like that because uh, it would just catch fire. Right. Yeah, they made their films out of flash paper. Yeah. And that's crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
usually before World War II, they would use a nine and a half millimeter film format. And uh, there was an upsurge huh. in popularity in at-home cameras in the post-war period, which makes perfect sense when you look at it from a socioeconomic perspective. Sure. Particularly in countries like Great Br- Britain and the U.S. who uh, won the war. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of income, you know, rolling around. Um, so... These were actually light and pretty sophisticated and affordable compared to pre-World War II options, which were very bulky and cumbersome. And as you said, you know, difficult to process the film, uh, difficult to keep the film from burning your house down. Right. Not a great investment. So in 1921, there was a compact 35 millimeter movie camera called a Kinamo. It was designed by Emmanuel Goldberg. And that was for amateur and semi-professional. I love it because it was for amateurs and semi-professional. Like, who are... Where are the semi-professional movies? Well, that, it is, where are the movies where you're like, oh, I'll pay for half of this. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of fascinating. I mean, because 35 millimeter movie film stock mm-hmm. is enormous. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking like Super 8s, 16 millimeters, and then 35 is double that. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's huge film stock. That would still, you could play that in a movie theater now. It'd look amazing. Yeah. And uh, so there was a spring motor attachment uh, for that to allow flexible handheld filming. And uh, so before battery-powered stuff existed, most uh, handheld cameras operated uh, with a clockwork. So you'd have to wind it, uh-huh. and, you know, you had however much uh, oh, It must power. have had, like, a metronome, too. Well, and, yeah. and that's also partly, I think, when, you know, you think of, like, old-timey uh, cameras, you know, in, like, the, the crank, mm-hmm. that's got to at least partially be powering some kind of clockwork yeah. if it's handheld. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so uh, the Kanama was used by Joris Ivins. No idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, but it was very popular with avant-garde and documentary filmmakers. So maybe that's the semi-professional. Oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah. oh, we don't expect you to turn your investment on this. Yeah, semi-professional <laughs> is when you ask for money but don't get any. Ah, oh, my God. I've been a semi-professional my whole life. <laughs> Uh, so a basic model, uh, of a home camera would usually have a single fixed aperture. Uh, I don't know if it's aperture mm. and focus lens or aperture or focus lens. There's just a slash. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It'd be a single fixed aperture, but focus. I mean, no, that, 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 that. I don't know. It'd be. It I wouldn't be fixed focus. I literally copied and pasted this from Wikipedia, as is our custom. Yeah. Um, I guess there are fixed focus. Oh, okay. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, <laughs> if you had a more upscale version, it would have three or four lenses, and uh, it would have focal length on a rotating turret. So more what you're thinking of. Yes. And uh, so... Uh, so the, that's why you can you can imagine that, because you've seen an old-timey camera that like has like three lenses on the front. Mm-hmm. So that that's literally unlike a modern one where you just take it out like you literally just switch the lenses yeah. and mm-hmm. and it'd slide in like that. I just always think of like getting my eye exam done. Yes. When I think of that. Yeah, it does. Uh yeah. so the viewfinder on these models was usually a parallel sight within or on top of the camera body. Mm-hmm. Which is why you see a lot of the kind of cameras where people are like looking down uh at the viewfinder. And uh let's see. I'll actually get into the parallel thing once we get into her still cameras. Uh, So also, uh, going back to the clockwork, uh, it says a simple mechanism might only power the camera for some 30 seconds. Like, your drive camera might work for as long as 75 to 90 seconds. So this is also why a lot of home movies from olden times uh, are so short. It is because they literally had no power. Yeah. 
And so uh, the, the film that was used for most of those cameras was called the Standard 8. You can see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was a strip of 16 millimeter wide film. And there was only one exposed side uh, during shooting. So when you were filming, it would uh-huh. film to it would film a complete uh, strip, but then it would flip and film on the other side. Oh, so it was that's essentially, ingenious! It was two eight millimeter side by side, and then in processing and development, it would split it in half. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, which you you know, it feels like a cost cutting measure, but I can't think it was that much less expensive. But. Um, I, I mean, when you hear something like that, you have to assume that 16 millimeter was the standard, but just wildly expensive. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, yeah. the function there was primarily actually a, a space-saving thing. Right. So it was like you didn't have to carry as much of a spool right. uh, if you were using that. Uh, but uh, let's see what other ones. So uh, so the 16 millimeter cameras uh, were sometimes used in home movie making, um, but usually, again, semi-professional and... Uh, Kodachrome was introduced in 1935. So if you could shell it for Kodachrome, you could mm-hmm. do uh, home in color. Get those nice bright colors. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Phil Collins' career. Is it Phil Collins? No. no. Paul Simon. Paul Simon. I cannot. Like, they're my, like, Bill Paxton, <laughs> Bill Pullman. <laughs> I do not know the difference. Like, I know one of them was married to Carrie Fisher. Uh, one of them did the music for Tarzan, or possibly the same one. <laughs> Uh, so Super 8 was introduced in the 1960s, and that also coincided with the advent of battery-operated movie cameras. Ah. So uh, it was just this sort of confluence of like, oh, it's now not incredibly difficult to get power, and also the film is a lot easier to deal with. Um, so it had a larger frame print on the same width of film stock. Gotcha. And it also could ah. come in a cassette, eventually, which uh, simplified changeover and developing. So you're not having to thread the spool, which was something that really was a setback for a lot of home video, home movie amateurs, because uh, that took a certain degree of skill right. to correctly thread your film onto the camera. Um, and they also were able to record sound, which was not something that was possible pretty much up to this point. Um, granted, of indifferent quality. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Wikipedia articles on this are written like very formally. I, mean, I like, don't understand. I'm like, who who is this snob? Uh, Claire Foy as Elizabeth II yeah. is writing these Wikipedia articles. Um, and then you know, uh, sorry to be a bit of a snagaholic, but I started then to move into you know, these things could be made of plastic instead of metal, so right. the price went down and became a lot more popular. Um, this is my favorite bit from. I'll just read it in Queen Elizabeth voice. The type of format and camera was more quickly superseded for amateurs by the advent of digital video cameras in 2000s. <laughs> Since 2010s, amateurs increasingly started preferring smartphone cameras. Citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, Wikipedia, like, I am so not, I'm never in any kind of, like, groupthink subculture like that because it would drive me insane. But I'm just like, what? who wrote this? And, like, why, why even bother? Uh, so, famously, the movie Tangerine was filmed on iPhone 5s. Yeah, and it looks great. Yeah. And it looks very, very good. Uh, just a couple notes about the home movies of the royal family, and then you can take it away. No. Um, so, Queen Elizabeth's home movies were released widely to the public in 2014 as part of the Royal Childhood Exhibition <laughs> in the UK. So, there were, you know, it was just, you know, whatever record they had of any royal children in Britain were in there. So, there was, you know, some stuff from Prince George, 
Yeah, this so just like George, current day Prince George. Right, right. Like, you know, just the same stuff that everybody's parents has sitting around in their attic. Yeah. And the British people were like, oh, could we poke around in that shit? And they're like, mm, if you must. Well, <laughs> yeah. and if you love that, uh, in 2016, uh, Queen Elizabeth turned 90, and there was a, uh, a family tribute documentary. But part of that, they had the family watch it and comment on it, yeah. Gogglebox style, which is a popular program in Britain where people watch things ah. uh, and comment on it. It's like MST3K, but boring. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> But the royal family's yeah, home videos. And, and I, I definitely recommend uh, – I didn't watch it. I just kind of read like a, a Daily Mail rundown and it is hilarious, yeah. the crap that they said. Um, and so this contextualized things for me a little bit differently. So I thought this was like a first camera, a first video camera that was being given to Queen Elizabeth. And actually King George had given her a box brownie uh, during her childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was an avid photographer. Yeah. Uh, it was like her primary hobby, it seems. Yes. Uh, and so she, uh, I was reading in some article, which I'll send you the link to, which I forgot to do this morning. But uh, she had a uh, a gold Rolly, 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 and then a Leica. Yes. Uh, Prince Andrew actually convinced her to switch from ra, ra, ra. From, from the I think I think he convinced her to switch. He switched. He, no, he convinced her to switch to the Leica. I just couldn't remember how to pronounce the other one. Gotcha. The Raleigh. The Raleigh. Okay, and then uh, she did, in fact, uh, later after you know after this, we see her with whatever the model is that she gets from King George. Or she did eventually get a Super Eight. So royals, they're just like us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the, going through the history of her still cameras, uh, I believe the brownie is the only one of these that I have not held. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the brownie is, is the camera that popularized photography. It took it from like a crazy thing that somebody did with like chemicals and like that huge hooded thing yeah. to something that and, – and if you see it, you'd be like, I, I don't understand. It, literally <laughs> just, it, yeah. it looks like a shoebox. Like a slightly more taller and shorter. Well, it shorter. looks like if you ever did like for some reason in a science fair, like make yeah. your own camera. Yeah, like it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's slightly more advanced than a pinhole camera. Yeah, but the so part of it was this is crazy because this sort of came back in the dying days of film photography. Is you would actually take your pictures, never open it up, and then ship it back to the Kodak company, who would then process the film inside, uh, and then they'd send you back the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that that was the first camera she had, the easy to easy to use. Would they one. send you back like the the I don't know like the chassis? I don't know what you call it. So they the would body of the they camera. would they would actually send you back a new camera. Okay, like they would essentially you never really owned <laughs> yeah, okay. the camera. Like so it was well like, you owned it, it unless like you wanted to act cameras. exactly. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. very similar. To you that. owned it unless you ever wanted to see the pictures you took with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. But then, then she had. So I'm not clear in which order she owned it. I, there's pictures of her both with a Raleigh 35, which is a very tiny portable camera, um, and and which is the one that her son or cousin Andrew, right? Yeah, her her son. Her son convinced her to s- switch away from. And then there's the Raleigh Cord, which I actually owned one of these. <laughs> so that's that is the camera that you see that you look down to take a picture. It's got two lenses on the front, one on top of the other. Okay. And the way that camera works. So first. First of all, that has huge film on it. It's monstrous. So the 35 millimeter is standard film, and this one is literally four times that size. Mm. Oh wow! Um, and it's and it's glorious, glorious, glorious. Uh, 
uh, I had I had two versions of this camera. I had the Raleigh cord, which was actually much older than the one that Elizabeth had. Um, <laughs> and then I had a Minolta Auto cord, which is a copy of it, which was much more advanced and is still the camera that I most regret selling. That it, You just get such gorgeous photos out of it. If you're familiar with uh, Vivian Meyer, uh, Finding Vivian Meyer, there's the popular documentary came out about her, and she was also a Raleigh cord uh, user. And then she switched from there to the Leica M3, as you mentioned, which the they ma- they later made a much more popular, simpler Leica M2, which Don Draper got a free one on on Mad Men, which is absurd. I was, no, I was like, that sounds like absurd. why does it sound so familiar to me? Because that is it's it's an old, so it was less so at the time. Cameras just more expensive, but Leicas are an ultra luxury item. Mm-hmm. The Leica M3 now, if you had a good quality one, would cost like two thousand dollars. Yeah, like at, at the time, I can't even imagine how much it would cost. It had a meter, people. <laughs> This is fucking science fiction. <laughs> it had a meter, and I still, I've never, I've... What did we use the meter for? Light metering to determine exposure. Oh, okay. I'm like, I know nothing about photography. Right. No, otherwise, you just had to go by rules of thumb and just figure it out later, which worked to varying degrees. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could possibly have a, a separate meter. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 that's still a camera that I, I want to own, and this... You sent me. You sent me this message last night that we were going to talk about cameras, and I spent an hour at like one in the morning looking over eBay and <laughs> so Japan not my Camera Hunter. This, and uh, I'm, one day I will own a Leica, but today is not that day. Today is not that day. So uh, yeah, she is. I mean, she uh, to my eye, she had not only an interest in photography, but great taste in camera gear. <laughs> I mean, if you're the queen of England, uh, you might as well get the best. Yeah, it was interesting. So it was an offhand quote, so I don't know how much to read into it. But she, they had photographers, but she specifically said, I want to document like my own experiment mm-hmm. experience being the queen and i was mm-hmm. like that's fucking cool yeah. yeah like could you imagine just like president obama instead of just having pete Souza take all of his photos <laughs> yes i know the photographer's name uh, <laughs> just like carrying around his own camera yeah just being like hey. <laughs> like uh michelle yeah it's, that was a hard one to maintain for me michelle no it wasn't uh, too bad i get where you're michelle. going come, come here come, come here michelle I hadn't thought that the defining characteristic of Obama is his vocal fry in between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It really uh, is. Uh, but actually, as I was doing it, I was like, it's really hard actually not to slip into a Bill Clinton when you're doing that. Ooh, you know? that's interesting. Because Bill, God, I haven't even heard that man talk, and you, which is great. Right. I'm glad I don't yeah. no. hear anything he has to say. He reached his limit. He's not allowed uh, to talk anymore. Yeah. Hillary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, but I think it is like it's a statesman thing, and a Democratic statesman thing. Yeah. Is, like Republicans, I feel like, are always like this freight train Whereas Democrats are like, take a hit, sugar cookie. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing is like, I have to have something in mind to say. Yeah, I can't. I need. I need my uh, impressions need to be scripted. So yes. Can we? Can we get somebody on that? Can the title of this episode be "Take a Hit, Sugar Cookie"? <laughs> I don't know if you guys do it, but I feel like it'd be. We'll a great see. One. We'll see what we pull. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it's, it very well might be. Yeah. It's a contender. <laughs> All right. Well, yep. that concludes our recap of The Crown, season one, episode one. How Wolf long did we... Splash. I feel like we went forever. Uh, two and a half hours. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is like Downton Abbey level length, so yeah. everybody's going to be thrilled. Oh, man. I, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure they all got to the end, and they were like, finally, they're talking about camera equipment. Just what I needed <laughs> after two hours and 20 Some minutes. Some of them might have. Some of them might have. Yeah. You can never tell the podcast audience. No, you can't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so we will be back next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, it was wonderful. Where Absolutely. can people find you uh, on they can, the internet? They can find me at, on Twitter at Red underscore Scott. I've, I have a podcast called Boars Go on Swords. And more recently, I have a podcast where we are uh, 
pitting new TV shows against each other head-to-head called Pilot Fight. And at that point, our soundboard ran out of recording space. Uh, so it wasn't indeed a long podcast. Uh, we were clearly already done, so we let Red go ahead and leave. Uh, but do please check him out, including check out his new podcast, Pilot Fight, which is at Pilot Fight. Uh, and until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.